everyone. Welcome back to Shots to Go to the Movies, brought to you in partnership with Film Club at the University of Houston. I'm your host and press secretary, Rachel, and I'm joined by my co-host and producer, AK, as well as today's guest, Film Club at U of H's chief of staff, Kelly. Hello. Hello. Hi, um, guys. AK. Sorry, I was late <laughs> coming in. I had to grab my coffee real quick and come back in here. Anyways. Uh, Rachel. What's up? Uh, you have a story about our favorite television show I pretty have, much at I this have, point of well, all time. Well, that's going to be my... I have two things. Oh, you want to... make that my second one because it's bigger. Oh, okay. The first one happened a few show weeks stuff. ago after we recorded the last episode. I thought I saw Zachary Levi at work. Oh, oh my God. Well, okay. The thing is, I work at AGB, right? Mm-hmm. And he lives in Texas. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I see this guy and it looked... He looked exactly like him. And I like had to, I did like a double take. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> but of course, it, it wasn't him because he like... I think he lives like in the northeast of Texas. He lives in the middle of nowhere. He could have been traveling. No, I think I think he was like I don't know. His Instagram stories said that he was not in Texas, but like it. The Does guy, he live in Texas? Yeah. Oh, he in lives, Houston? No. Oh, okay. like middle of nowhere. I think uh, like up north. They love to do that. Them big ass celebrities live to live in fucking cabins. Uh, I watched a wrestling show uh, the other day, and there was this uh, lady who came back, she's a legend and whatever. And like, she was like, yeah, I had to fly in from my cottage where I was taking care of my children. I don't understand why rich people just love to like seclude themselves. In Privacy. It. Yeah, I guess. All it, those years of like people being in your face. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, And also, uh-huh. on, back to, you know, Good Omens. The, our favorite show on this, so, t- on this uh, program. I collect Funko Pops. And Funko has not made Good Omens pops, which makes me mad. So um, I've made custom pops in the past of Bucky Barnes, and so I was like, I'll try it again. And so I bought some some pops when they were when like Box Lunch and Hot Topic were having sales, and I made a Crowley and, and a Zero Fail Funko popped, and I tweeted them, and uh, the king himself, Neil Gaiman, liked my tweet. Oh my God, the clout, the clout we have yes. on this podcast. Wow. While you were off, you know, not being in the group chat, that happened. <laughs> oh, my God. I, of course, I miss the biggest moments. This this week has not been nice to me, but at least someone I know has been has been touched by Neil Gaiman. That's, nope, <laughs> never mind. Has been, oh has been. You're two degrees away from Ga- Neil Gaiman. Uh, yes, I think that's yes. how that works. I think, yeah, yeah. I'm two degrees I think it's just separation. if you're any, any interaction with them at all. Yeah. I think I think that's I how think it that's works. how it works. I don't think you yeah. have to actually know them. At this point, you've affected Neil Gaiman's life, in which it'll affect six people down the line from what he knows. Yeah. There we go. That's. Does magic. that mean I'm like? Because I'm also like two degrees from a bunch of other people because of my film professor from so Joe Layden. At least one. So I'm two degrees from DiCaprio. So does that mean I'm technically two degrees from Kevin Bacon in any way? I think so. <gasps> I think you in you're in the game. You're in the game. I'm in the. I'm in the. Yeah. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Bacon. Yeah. I think. I think you're set. And <laughs> I believe that if Neil Gaiman decides to write another book, at one point, like, he'll be ins- a sentence will be inspired by your Funko Pop. So oh. you should know that. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, that'll be great. Definitely. Also, I don't think he's writing anything, if you're though. friends now with Neil Gaiman, could you tell him to? I'm re- not. But <laughs> but could you tell him to rehire Brian Fuller onto American Gods? Somebody fu- he answers a lot of questions on his Twitter. Somebody was asking like what would happen with the next season or something. He's like they, they were already he was saying remote. yeah he's not involved in it at all anymore. Yeah. A stars so. stars has committed to it and they're bringing in another team. 
that show that's was what it was about it was about how they're bringing new people in but he yeah. was like he's like i can't help you i'm not even involved anymore yeah it's sad it's sad that he's he's one of the people that were complaining the loudest about how the first season was not his vision and then they brought him in and he that first season is probably one of the best seasons of a television show i've i've personally ever seen uh brian fuller is like Ma- like majestically able to like just capture the mood of a story you've read before um and then neil gaiman was like no nah, i'm gonna just i'm gonna just be kind of lazy about this because i'm doing an actual good show over here with amazon <laughs> with amazon that's paying me a lot of money so i'm just gonna like wholesale rewrite entire chunks of the book as dialogue hmm. <laughs> that's that's what he decided to do so that second season has been really disappointing. Uh, so I, I Before we move on, I have a couple corrections from last episode. Oh, yes. Let's go with corrections. I have two that were the big ones. Uh, one is that More Than a Feeling is by Boston, not Journey. Okay. And uh, the other is Rush Hour 4 did not happen with Kev Jumba and some basketball player. But I swear to God, I swear to God, it was either joked about by him or it was originally going to happen and then they just completely trashed and erased it from the internet but i swear to god i heard him say it that it was going to happen kelly have you have you did you ever hear about these rumors because i've heard about rumors yeah i've heard rush hour four rumors not necessarily with uh, those actors involved yes but. it was i swear because it was when he was still on youtube and he was like hanging out with ryan higa and all of them and they joked about it they at least joked about it because i remember hearing him like kev jamba and some basketball player were gonna make a uh, uh rush hour four I swear. Back in that day, that would have been something special. I think that would have been. I don't know. That would have been. That would have been special. I don't, I don't know what happened to it though. But yeah, I, yeah, I remember that the rush hour stuff fell through because Chris Tucker was too busy becoming a Christian again, <laughs> and uh, Jack Jack Chan was just done. Yeah, uh, but it's happening now. I think. Yeah, they're available now. I mean, you, they're always going to be a comeback. Speaking of people who say they're going to go away, but I kind of don't believe that they are going to go away. Quentin Tarantino, probably my f- favorite director or formerly my favorite director. I don't know. Uh, at some point, he was, he was, I, was a, I was what you would describe as a disgusting, filthy fanboy for him. Um, put out his ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> Which... Contrary to what everyone thought, it's not directly about Sharon Tate's murder. No, uh, it's a it's about Brad Pitt and DiCaprio's characters, uh, which aren't real people. Quentin, I did not learn that until after I saw the movie, but they are not real people. Quentin, okay, so <laughs> I have a couple questions. Uh, I have not seen the movie. Y'all have seen the movie, indeed. So let's start with the easiest fucking question in the world. How was it? Good. Good. A yeah. lot of people think it's it's like boring and slow, but like even if you watch his older films, they have a slow build up and then at the end they just kind of bring all the like crazy shit. Kelly? It was alright. <laughs> <laughs> that's it? Uh that's about it for me. Like I, I love the film in a way. Like I loved what the film was going for and the acting. Mm-hmm. But walking out of the theater, I was just kinda like that was a movie. <laughs> and it was a good movie, but it was it was just a movie. It didn't really hit me as hard as it's been hitting other people. So oh okay, and it and is a little confusing because it jumps around with the timeline mm-hmm. with like flashbacks and stuff. But it, it when you think about it, it makes sense. It's not something to go in and be like, I'm just gonna watch a movie and oh, sit yeah. back. You have to pay attention. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Like while you're watching it, 
uh, at least for me, I don't know how many other people got confused throughout. Uh, some of the flashback scenes are some of my favorite micro scenes in the film. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, it was just one a of little the best long flashbacks has turned into a sad one because Bruce Lee's daughter has said that it's not good. I, I she, she's mad about the portrayal of him of him in the movie. Yeah. I I've I've heard a lot of Sharon Tate's best friend came out recently and said that well, her portray- sister likes it. Yeah, but Cause, yeah, because uh, I think Hillary Duff made a movie a few years ago that was about the murders, and her sister was like, "Fuck no, this is terrible. Oh. This is like they're making a joke about my sister." Mm-hmm. And then she's actually saying this one's fantastic, and she you know praised Ro- Margot Robbie for her portrayal. I mean, Margot uh, is a sneaky, okay actor. Above, uh, gr- good actor. Good actor. I'll say good actor. I'm not going to be facetious about this. Um, okay, so break it down for me. Is it is it is it a traditional Quentin Tarantino movie? Is he trying to do new things here? Is it like non-linear storytelling like he always does? Yeah, or is it kind of a directed story that you kind of beginning middle and end or is it like all over the place and goes back and forth i'm sorry if it's I'm a s- mix up of all of that kind <laughs> okay. of because it it's non-linear but it kind of is linear there's okay. a lot of flashbacks okay. but it follows one like story okay. and then it, yeah, like there's, there's definitely some a, mis and there's a lot of misdirection uh-huh. like especially with the ending a lot of misdirection a lot of mystery leading up towards the end but yes i think there there definitely is a core story um, it's just a little hard to find okay. at p- certain points. Just following along with it, you're not always sure what you're watching. But then, like, you get to later in the film, and you go, "Oh, that that scene makes sense from earlier on." Now that I've seen it, so I guess in that sense, it's a bit nonlinear. But so this might be, and it, and the plot isn't. It's not about the Manson murders. It's mm. it's about it's about DiCaprio and Pitt's characters, Cliff Booth and and Rick Dalton, and how like Rick Dalton. His career, he's he's a he's washed up and he's not doing as well as he used to in the industry and and like their friendship and all of that. So it's more about that than the murders. It just ends with they're just connected to it. And I don't want to spoil the ending, but oh, okay, it ends with that night. But it's not. It's like Inglorious Bastards. This gives I'll me. Say. This is. This is giving me some like Casablanca, um, uh, Falcon. Uh, what's the name of that other Maltese Falcon? Maltese Falcon style vibe, like. But it's, it doesn't come across as noirish. It's not a oh, noir no. film, but it feels like it has the quintessential like noir mystery. Mm, maybe, maybe Are, in a certain kind of like neo noir kind of. Not, not not even necessarily that, but it it definitely plays out and it feels very moody, kind mm-hmm. of like a noir. Okay. But as far as like the beats go, I think it's it kind of doesn't really follow a traditional not, noir. Not to sound too reductionist, and I'm not sure if you've watched that movie, Rachel. But is it what? is it similar to the Good Guys? Nice guys. Nice guys. Thank you. I always uh, fuck it up. I'd say their dynamic is similar, but it's it's not a comedy directly. Okay. Kind of, it has comedic elements. Definitely. Okay. It's, there's parts that are but funny, like but the like it's flow not of it. The pacing, the kind of the the that that mystery you guys are talking about, plus like the the non-linear story. A little because a lot of people have been comparing it to the Nice Guys. Okay. But their their dynamic is definitely close to like Ryan Gosling and and Russell Crowe. Who who did it better? Who's a better dynamic duo? I don't know. 
because they're both really good. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's tough. It's some okay. of their best performances, I'll say. Uh, Leo's and, and Brad? Brad Pitt's, yeah. Wow, yeah. that's a strong specifically sentiment. Brad Pitt. Huh? Yeah. But I'll also say I watched Inglorious Bastards for the first time a few days ago, and uh, I will like if I had seen that first before I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the ending would have made more sense to me because it's similar in that way of like like inglorious bastards i set it up in a way and you're like it can't be that easy there's no way you got all four of them in one room and then torched the whole thing like there's yeah. no fucking way and then it does happen you're like what the fuck just happened they just ended world war ii in a yeah. theater it's like it's history revisionism god uh but it's it's similar in that way okay it's so i feel like it's a combination of a lot of his films hmm okay so that's actually a really good point that i want to jump off of does because uh hateful eight i appreciate hateful eight while i understand it's not one of his strongest movies i understand the necessity for him to make a movie like hateful eight because sergio leone has been like the guy for quentin it is his inspiration he's always wanted to match that level and that's that was basically his like ultimate vanity project i want to make the quintessential sergio leone like homage it's one of the few i haven't seen uh, I wasn't at that screening. Yeah. Uh, I, I Before before I watched Inglourious Bastards, I hadn't seen that. Now it's Hateful Eight and Jackie Brown, and I guess technically Death Jackie Proof. Brown is fantastic. It mm -hmm. is low-key, probably has an argument to being one of his best movies. Uh, don't they all? I don't know. <laughs> I think, I think, I think... Is it like, I guess Tarantino movies are like Black Mirror episodes. Like... Yeah, possibly. Everyone, a little bit. Everyone's opinions are different. It's just that Jackie Brown does things that Quentin had never done before and he still hasn't kind of revisited ever. It is unique in his filmography in a really special way. That's why I say Sneaky, his best one, is because it's his most unique one out of all of his movies. Uh, but in Hateful, it felt like that vanity project. Does this feel like... Because all the trailers eventually kind of clicked for me in a way. And this is why I'm kind of not excited for this movie anymore to go and watch it. Is this Quentin Tarantino homaging Quentin Tarantino? I don't, I don't know. I think it's, I think it more hits on that like relatable thing of Hollywood and people who work in it. Yeah, but th th that's the first vibe I got from it. But like as you said that it's like it takes pieces from a lot of his previous movies or the ones you've seen. And Kelly, I assume you've also like followed his filmography oh yeah and i wonder if like it more is like harkens at a wink wink as like remember i did this before or i did or is it not as blatant as that uh, i would say it's definitely less about his own filmography and more appreciation for the era of filmmaking that he kind of grew up and well, not necessarily grew up i don't think he was alive back he might have been alive back then but he has this deep profound appreciation well, he's, for he's, classic say, cinema 56 huh 56 uh when he was born yeah you said he was like 56 or yeah he is 56 so that's years old. that's yes. like 62 yeah hey, or 63 he's probably alive back then but yeah. i know i watched um i think it was a variety interview with like mm -hmm. him and um the round table no, no, it was him and DiCaprio just oh. answering various questions about the film and specifically about like the character of Rick Dalton. I think that's in my watch later playlist. It's a pretty good uh, interview and it kind of sheds some insight on how like passionate Quentin Tarantino is about that specific era of Hollywood. Yeah. And just how many how many people specifically he draw influence 
draws influences from like during that um time period yeah i remember uh oscar season what was it like for it wasn't was it django it might have been django when the martian was nominated in a lot of those django django so he did a round table with variety and on the round table it was him it was um um uh, fucking martian guy alien ridley scott ridley scott yeah oh, and i was about was, to say matt damon <laughs> uh <laughs> and it was um it was it was gerda gerich the the director of ladybird and it was like the and wonder woman and the director for uh, wonder woman patty who, jenkins patty jenkins who we were literally talking about before and i completely blanked on her <laughs> name which is okay stuff happens this is casual conversation uh but uh and of course, as Quentin would, even in a conversation with Ridley Scott, he chewed up the entire scene and just kind of fucking talked pretty much more than anyone there. But there was there was a worshipfulness. I'm using the word wrong, but there was like a like an obedience that he had to Ridley Scott. Like he kept looking at him for approval the entire time. He kept asking him for approval during the roundtable and stuff like that. And 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 it is fundamentally like this man kneels at the altar of like movie like like old movies pretty much the the classical this is the guy that stood up for seventy millimeter right this is mm-hmm. the guy who wanted to keep thirty five millimeter going right so I do wonder if that movie so that's my second question if it didn't turn out to be an homage to his movies is it kind of the quintess his quintessential like thesis come together of like this is what I believe film should be or what it what it means to me. I guess so. I don't I don't follow him like directly, but I guess mm-hmm. if he if he is so passionate about that era of filmmaking, then I guess so. But it's also an homage to his foot fetish. Oh, very much so. <laughs> very I when I first I could not fucking believe the I think it's in the trailer when uh Margot Robbie walks like walks up to the theater and she's like, I'm in this movie. That's a whole scene of her going into the movie and watching the wrecking crew. Uh-huh. And the whole fucking scene, her feet are in the shot. Oh yeah, the she, whole the she has whole, it's, feet on top. It's of like thing. a five minute scene, and there's there's literally one shot where her feet just take up half the fucking screen. It's not, and she's got another scene of her in bed. There's you know a bunch of barefoot hippies. She he even fucking got Leo's feet in a shot like at the end. Like it's God, that's pretty good. It's it's more than Kill Bill. Wow. I mean, Hateful Eight has a quite a bit of foot scenes of men's feet, but it's kind of like low-key, more low-key than that. No, this but is yeah. very blatant. Yeah, okay. Okay, it's yeah. <laughs> I get the vibe. Quentin is a mood. Like, he's genuinely, like, he, he wants to evoke a mood of something that is, like, genuine or real that he internalizes himself. He's not going to, like, put up, like, he's not going to make a character be himself. He's He's going to write a character that, like, evokes a mood he felt like and then he'll put himself in the movie (laughs) yes which i don't think he was in this one in pulp fiction he has the the great the most famous scene of pulp fiction is 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 samuel jackson and john travolta talking in the car about a royale with cheese yeah and that's it quentin tarantino said in an interview that's i wrote the movie in france and that's all i did was like go to mcdonald's and like learn how they like colloquially spoke about sandwiches there like that was directly his experience in France, and he made it a completely different experience for a gangster, like taking a vacation somewhere else, and and 
just evoking that mood of like that foreignness that comes from all of that. Yeah. And so, so beyond that, here we go. We get into a more a pretentious conversation about uh, Quentin Tarantino. Quentin, for me, was the reason I got into movies. He's the reason why I got into other movie directors. He's the reason why I got into his contemporaries, Kevin James, uh, fucking uh, Guy Ritchie, um, J- uh, John Lank- Lanklater, and and what's her name? Catherine Bigelow, right? Those are kind of his indie cohorts in that indie revolution that they led in the 90s to kind of yeah. overtake the mainstream. And uh, we'll get to their daddy in a second, Harvey Weinstein, in a minute. <laughs> Uh, but, um, there is, you've been rewatching his movies recently, right? No, I said I will eventually, because okay. I said that a few days ago and I've been busy. Okay. So I've only I had time to watch chat. Inglorious Bastards for the first time, which I have a couple more notes about that. Okay, go ahead. I already brought up yes. the ending. I, I mean, wish World War II ended Qu- like that. Yes, we're talking the, about Quentin. The Italian Tarantino scene with Brad so Pitt is the funniest scene in movie history. Better than any comedy I've ever fucking seen. That, oh my God. <laughs> Buongiorno. <laughs> His fucking accent. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, what else? I only have what other else? notes about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, you want to go briefly, back? Go back. We briefly talked about before we started recording where I was talking about 12-year-olds on TikTok. There's mm-hmm. literally a line in the movie of DiCaprio being like, what are you, 12? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, uh, and also there's a lot of uh, stars kids playing the Manson family members. Okay. Like Maya Hawk, uh, Margaret Qualley, uh, technically Lena Dunham. Okay. Because she's related to some. There's a few others I can't name off the top of my head. But there's okay. a lot of like stars kids and people are wondering if that means something. Like he got them to play like Manson family. He does that shit. Members. He, he, he likes his meta commentary is different from like not a lot different but also people are like doesn't uma thurman like hate his ass how'd she get her daughter in it like <laughs> oh no no but like I, i've heard they've made amends like oh they've made amends like when everything. he apologized even like yeah. when he in his apology he's like i had talked to uma personally and apologized to her like they were good by the time the apology was made public it's just it's still like you were a dick cancel culture yeah and all that stuff but like he might deserve to be canceled for other reasons but mm-hmm. we'll get into that later um isn't glorious the only one you've watched of his after once upon a time yeah afterwards i'll rewatch the others but i, I mean i'll say how like, do you think reservoir of, dogs is my favorite in multiple interviews he said that once my legacy is set in stone and glorious bastards will be considered my greatest movie so i do wonder what your opinion of it as like first time watch this is a movie that came out in 2009 uh it's been a hot minute since i've seen the others so like i'll have to give like i said like in the group chat, like I'll watch all of them and not then comparatively. I'm just talking but how like, it stands on its own two feet. I want to say this is best because I don't know. Like, mm. uh, it's been a, like it's been a long time since I've watched some of the others. So like, but on its but own, on, like, what do you think of it? Is it? It was. It was good. Like, I don't know. Like, it had a like I, I wasn't sold on the first half. Uh-huh. It had a very slow build up, but then the second half, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm here. You didn't like Au revoir, Shoshana. It's like, like it was it was good i just yeah. wasn't completely there for it I, I, I and the performances were great yeah I, I always thought that it was like more than like a quentin's movie uh as much as he wants as much as i think it's a phenomenal movie uh it it always felt kind of like a vehicle for christoph waltz but have yeah, you seen an oscar it? for that right? yeah yeah I've, I've seen i think i've watched all of quentin's films except for death proof 
Okay. I believe. Is that I technically? Like, I've heard. Like, yes, it's technically. It says it's technically. Because that would be yeah. that would make it like ten. No, no. Th- those two. Uh, so, so. Because without death proof, he's at nine. Uh. So he is. Uh. So the the story went is Robert Rodriguez came to him and said, "Hey, remember those old like car pull up theaters in which they had double features? How they about still, me and you work exist. on a double feature?" Yeah. That's but, how I saw. Um, uh, what's it called? The the movie with uh, Reese Witherspoon and uh, Oprah. And Mindy Kaling, the Disney movie. A Wrinkle in Time? Yes. Okay. That's not, that's where it was not a good movie. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> uh, so th- back then, they film studios like bundled movies together that they thought would not sell alone as double features. Like they only ever came out as a double feature. They were never released separately from each other and then put together to gain more money. Literally, the entire idea is to make the money off of both these movies. We're going to sell them together and sell it as if you're going to watch one movie. So the idea was like ribbing off of that homage. And so Robert Rodriguez made Terror Planet. He directed it completely from beginning to end. And then Quentin directed Death Proof. And so Death Proof is the second one of, I don't remember what they called the whole project. It had its own name. Um, uh, Grindhouse? Grindhouse Grindhouse Cinema. Right. There you go. Thank you. Uh, and, And Death Proof is famous for the fact that that's when Quentin met Zoe Bell. And that's when their partnership like kind of, uh, well, it's not where he met her. He met her on the set of Kill Bill, but that's the moment where, like, that he was like, "She is one of the best people I've ever met in my entire life, and she deserves to be a superstar." She and said Once Upon her... a Time. Yeah, yeah. She's also the stunt coordinator for for Once Upon a Time. She plays the stunt coordinator. <laughs> of course, <laughs> she is. She is the lead in Death Proof. She's the main character in Death Proof. Uh, her and Rosero Dawson, and so uh, yeah, so. I guess out of all of those, because like Death Proof is a little of an offshoot, little fun project yeah. for him. It is, by the way, it does beat uh, Pulp Fiction and all of his other movies, I guess, before Once Upon a Time of foot shots. What? Uh, Death Proof. Death Proof is all foot shots. Every oh. one of the women has an extended scene in Jeez. which their feet are in the shot. Um, but out of his main nine, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> once no, no. upon a time, definitely. no, like there was never a shot in which, like, for five extended minutes, where you just get half of a screen of someone's foot. That's n- that never happened. So no, once upon a time takes the cake. Yeah. If that's yeah, the case, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I guess, do you agree with Quentin? I'm sorry, agree how? <laughs> he said he said that when his when his when his legacy is said and done, Glorious Bastard would be looked at as his greatest movie. Not his favorite movie, but his greatest movie. Might be in his opinion. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Do y'all agree with his opinion? I, I, here's how I agree. I think it's his most rewatchable film, and in that sense, it'll probably be more popular than some of his other films down the line. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I think that Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fictions will always be like the iconic Tarantino mm-hmm. films. But as far as films that are like the second movie that you watch after those. I think it'll always be like Inglorious Bastards and in a sense that could be how it becomes his quote unquote greatest film, most well-known film. So I do wonder, what's your favorite QT movie? That is, t- it really depends on my mood. Okay. You know, like generally speaking, yeah, it's probably Inglorious Bastards, but there are some days where Kill Bill, volume one specifically, Okay. that's my favorite film just because of how brutal like the action is because i i think that's really like his first true action film like yes. in comparison to uh um the three films they had before that which are all basically just 
thrillers with a lot of tension and moments of action, whereas Kill Bill throughout, it's just like fight after fight, and it's just like, oh my God. So it's it's a it's a very fun film. <laughs> uh, Rachel? Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs, really? Yeah. It's uh, been a minute since I've watched it, but I've always... Do you like, know the story? Since the first minute I watched it, like I fucking... Do you know how the it. story of how Reservoir Dogs was made? No. So, uh, QT, this I know. I know. Ever since then, he gets Harvey Keitel in every one of his movies somehow. <laughs> uh, so because it it has a Harvey Keitel has a very special place for Quentin because he's the one. Quentin Tarantino worked at a video at a like a Hollywood rental video store, and his shtick was he was the annoying guy who would tell everyone about the movies. My job right now <laughs> for our club, uh, it would be like, hey. Did you know that this movie is better than this movie? You should probably watch it. It means it does all these really cool things. And this, the way Quentin mythologizes is, is Harvey Cattell walked in one day and wanted to rent a movie for family night. And he spent an hour talking to Quentin about movies. And then he's like, and Quentin was telling him about how he's made these short movies and how he's always wanted to be a director. So he sent him his black and white cut, that black and white movie. And Harvey Cattell then gave Quentin a million dollars to make Reservoir Dogs, and wow. that's that's how Reservoir Dogs got made. It was pre- it was my, entirely my main take on Reservoir Dogs. I'm saving for a hot seat because it ties directly into that. Okay, and I've said it a million times. But I'm gonna say it again, but I'm waiting. I'm fucking jack hyped for this. <laughs> uh, so I do wonder. Uh, this is the last point on like Quentin's legacy. I guess. Do y'all think? He's actually gonna come through with this ten movie thing that he wants to do. He's he's like as passionate as he is about his job. He seems you know like he's always straightforward with it, so he could. Okay. Because I've heard ten films and also before sixty. So uh, I've kind of had a lot of questions for y'all, but uh, I wanted to get into some of his controversies. But actually, I just want to get. I will. If I will kind of forgive him for the Weinstein thing because as soon as it happened he cut him off he did he did uh uh yeah sh- shortly uh Quentin has always been inspired by Roman Polanski he's always been really close friends yeah with which back to once upon a time people are pissed off that Polanski was even in the movie but it's like he was married to fucking Sharon Tate and the yeah. movie is indirectly about her murder is he a character in it in any way I was he's gonna briefly ask in it yeah. because okay. he's married he was married to Sharon Tate okay yeah, but he's not he like... He has like one line. Okay. I think he's in like what, two or three scenes tops. Yeah. Okay. It's, okay, interesting. It's more about her and Jay Sebring. Okay, that interesting because because of what Quentin... But, but some people like, wrong. I guess they just don't understand. Like they don't know enough about Sharon Tate and her life. So they were just mad that he was even depicted in the movie. But historically speaking, he should be there. Yes, yes. Um. So Which yeah. is not very historically accurate. But I remember... I don't know if y'all fucking remember this, but in meetings when the trailers came out, I was like, if they don't fucking show her pregnant oh, ass, <laughs> I'm going to be pissed off. And it's like the movie fucking took historical accuracy and threw it out the window. Okay. But I don't give a shit. It's it's good. So yeah, that's that's my thing. I, <laughs> I fucking hate that noise. Anyways, uh, this is actually like, uh, instead of the whole controversies thing, because I feel like that's a whole other conversation own and we're kind of getting into the we're getting into overtime at this point but any like final thoughts on once upon a time and whether it's worth it not just from the filmography but like a watching experience and stuff like that just like your general thoughts your final don't go see it if you just want to watch a movie go like if you're gonna you have to be kind of invested Mm -hmm. 
but it's very good. Kelly? Uh, I agree with that pretty much. Like, if you want to see a probably Brad Pitt's best performance. So yeah. both of y'all have said this. I don't understand Go see this. the fucking movie and you'll understand. Wait, how? Like, okay, I, I'm not saying it's Brad Pitt has a list, a long list of phenomenal performances, but you don't there really, is Babel. You don't really get a good feeling for it through the trailers. You like have to see it to understand. Yeah. Like, I, I will say without really giving anything away, it's honestly probably his most subdued performance. But at the same time, the way he pulls it off, it's it's. I really want to go into spoilers, but I can't, so I'm not he's, going. He's to. very good at the dark humor. Yeah, bits, and it's 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 amazing. Okay, all right, all right. I might. I can't. I can't say too much about. I I genuinely yeah. don't care about spoilers, Some but of, I understand but the, the movie came out a week ago. Yeah, at this point. Yeah. Uh, so it would be wholly unfair to kind of spoil people. Like I on. did with Midsummer. But would you... Okay, so there was a lot of people talking about when before this movie came out, and I guess this was this will be my last question. I promise, I promise. But a lot of people talking about this possibly being Quentin's mag- magnus opus. Like, his, his... Did that come across at all? D- or did this just feel like... I don't understand the man enough to okay. say. Honestly... Probably not, at least from my perspective. I think a lot of people who saw at Khan and all that, like, you know, they're all film heads who appreciate like classic film and all that. So okay. when they were watching it, I think that their impression was like, oh, this is his big homage. The kind of this people is... that think Citizen Kane is the best movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not, not this again. <laughs> <laughs> but did y'all think that this was a defining moment at the, at the end of a career? Okay. Okay. You, you want to ask that again and just cut? Yeah. Uh, ask the computer. I don't know why my laptop is decided to go crazy, but uh, that this was like a defining moment for, for, for him. Did that feel like outside of what you know about him or anything, do you feel like 10 years from now, this will be a movie you talk about? Maybe if we're talking about Charles Manson. Oh, no. he's Isn't he already dead? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good riddance. We celebrate that day. Yeah, that's a good day. Which that he took that movie, he gave Sharon Tate and JC bring the justice they deserve, and he said "fuck you" to Charles Manson and the entire Manson family. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's With good. that ending, did he ever reference the fact that the Manson family like was buddies with one of the Beach Boys? No. No. Damn it! I feel he, like he which, missed out. I know they made so a big much. deal about depicting Charles Manson in the movie, but he's only in one scene. Oh, okay. They just okay. mention him a lot, and then. This the main thing was they sounds... made a big deal about there's a whole scene at Spawn Ranch and okay. how they lived on Spawn Ranch. Okay, so I, I know less about this movie than when I came into this conversation. <laughs> uh, yeah. So now I guess I'm intrigued again about what actually this fucking movie is about. Trailers are misleading. Uh, his, Those Quentin's, are the best trailers. Quentin's trailers are usually misleading in a way, but like not even from the trailers, like from the entire vibe of the press and the media around this movie. This is not... This is completely different than what I got. Yeah. And it's not uh, even directly about the murder, which I learned back before originally wrote the script. It was uh, supposedly Leo and Brad were going to play. It was it was going to be about the murder and they were going to be detectives uh, investigating the murder. And I guess in the last like four years, it somehow got changed into what it is. And I'm kind of glad it did. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So now we have a. Uh, 
So now I figured out what the sound that was happening. I truly apologize. We've had some technical issues with with our little notification. Uh, with no, with our MIDI bar True. right here that plays our music, and it stopped working completely. So we're going to have to move into the hot. Uh, you're going to have to take us into the hot seat. Oh, enjoy with with no. Well, I mean, we did that for two episodes. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, so um, we already know Tarantino is going to get nominations for original screenplay and director, most likely. Mm-hmm. But um, if there was an Oscar for best use of licensed music, would he get it? Mm. This is Kelly's topic. So back into the hot seat. Yeah. <sighs> Hello, sir. Hello, Mr. Hello. Kelly. And Hello. Take us, guide us into this. Uh, Talk about licensed music. Yes, I know. It's very, <laughs> it's very uh, it's a big specific. Topic, though, but yeah. But I've, I've always had an appreciation for... Uh, specifically, I think I always get the terms mixed up. There's like non-diegetic and diegetic music, and I oh, think wow. okay. I think diegetic is the one specifically that I'm thinking of. And I just love it whenever a song comes on, like in a film, like it's actually in the scene, like yeah. all the characters are aware of it, and it just fits so perfectly, like for that scene specific, like where it had to have been written in the script that it was going to be that song. Makes sense. There's something about that, like specifically as That's someone. That's hard to do too. Legally, it's hard. To, oh yeah, it's hard to like when uh in my film writing class, the professor was like, "Do not list a certain song. You can be like a song like this song, but you can't say a specific song because legally, yeah. that's not nobody's gonna buy that movie." That's why. That's why it's been on my mind recently because I've been doing a lot of writing, and anytime I'm writing, I'll, I'll come up with like a scene in my head, and just the first thing that pops up is like the best song that'll go with that scene. And it just breaks my heart every time that I know that I can't really realistically write that and, you know, get away with it, basically, even though I'm not even really selling any of these scripts. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I, I like this idea because there's always this conversation that, like, I heard a song uh, somewhere and I was like, this would be great in a movie. This would be a great in a fight scene. This would be great in, like, a chase scene or a hallway scene or something like that. And there is this inclination even... Or when you're in the car and you're staring out the window. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like the like turn around is probably the most perfect in a car sad with the rain pouring, right? Um, and so I, I think this is interesting. But like I've been trying to prep for this topic for a while. And the only movies, the only two movies that just permeate my mind every time someone just says licensed music is... Baby Driver mm-hmm. and Spider Verse. Honestly, same exact two films that are have been on my mind like the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, I can I can name like other examples. Mine are, are like two specific scenes, not whole movies, but those. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just like with those in particular, it's really just the soundtrack and the way it's utilized throughout the film. And yes. I think there is a, an important distinguish. Uh, it's important to distinguish like the difference between like just great music all throughout the film as opposed to just like one specific scene where it's just the perfect music for that moment. Yeah, it like cuz Spider-Verse like n- like none of the music like you could say like accentuated a scene. They accentuated a mood or a feeling in in the scenery that that was or not even in the scenery in the motion of the film. And I guess that's the beauty of fucking I'll leave cuz that's what my two examples were. What? Mood. 
Moon. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. I'll see y'all in two weeks. No, hit me up. Hit me up. What do you okay. got? Okay, mine. I think it's one of the greatest uses of music in a scene. Uh, okay. Is Reservoir Dogs. Uh, with, the um, torture scene? Yeah. With okay. um, Stuck in the Middle with You. Yeah. That's one of my favorite songs of all time because of that scene. Is it Madison's dancing that it's sells the ear, it for you? The ear scene. The ear. Yeah, it is. It's the most it, fucked up scene and like like because it, because it is a fucked up scene but it's such a lighthearted song and he's like he's like about to just torture this guy and cut off his ear but he's like fucking jamming in like a good mood like it's it's like a clash of two like completely opposite things of like this like happy like like calm kind of feeling and mm-hmm. then this like fucked up like somebody's about to get their ear cut off kind of thing and it just flows well and then another goes back to my other example which is um just you know me <laughs> is uh the 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 under the the channel scene in uh perks of being a wallflower with uh david uh, bowie that that's back to me that's a fantastic that is actually a fantastic pick yes because I, I, I don't know scene. it i don't know if it is like i found I, I wasn't a huge david bowie fan before i knew a few of his songs but uh, i found that song because of that movie okay. i found a lot of things because of that movie mm. uh, like even more deeply than just a song but like that that scene like especially the first scene but even at the end when they when they're like i finally found the song like mm. yeah because that's, that's like because it's in the movie but it's like it's also like their their tradition before they meet Charlie is to go and and ride through the tunnel and like yeah and Emma Watson stands in the back and like whatever but then you know they find the fucking song it just randomly comes out on the radio and then they like they feel it and then that's their tunnel song so, like and then it comes back in the end because the, the whole movie they couldn't find the fucking song even though it was fucking David Bowie but they couldn't find it and then they finally find it and oh my god it's it's like it, the 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 first time you listen to the song, it's like this like bonding moment, and then the the second the next time you hear the song, it's this climactic like we've we've been through this journey, and this is kind of close. It's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. a really good example of this. I think I just thought of another, but I fucking I'm blanking out for a second. Holy shit! Um, Shrek. Shrek. Unironically, <laughs> Shrek. I know, right, like we like, talked about it about the soundtrack. Yeah, but, like it works. Yeah, I think I think all the soundtracks. Well, I can't remember the third I think or fourth especially soundtracks. especially the end when like even even the I think ending. it's I think the third movie one of the one of my favorite musical moments in Shrek is the princesses with Barracuda. Oh, really? Yeah. One of mine is literally the first one donkey singing at the end for their wedding. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's like pretty much up there with my favorite. And then the second movie is, I Need a Hero. Yeah. I Need a Hero I think is a performance. Wasn't it nominated for an Oscar? No, because it's not an original. Oh, yeah. you're right. But what the? F- why did they play it at the Oscars then? They might have played it, it as just a performance. Iconic. It might have been like maybe like last year, or I guess this year with Queen, which was that was fucking weird. Yeah, let's that not was, talk about that. No, no, let's not go into that. I love them, but let's not fucking talk about Queen. So uh, no, but my other example is something we talked about earlier: American Gods. So in the book, Neil Gaiman. Right. Also, Good Omens is a good, good ex- with the good, fucking Queen. Yes, with Crowley only. Which again, we talked about that a while Somehow, ago. That being a thing, Good but, Omens does Queen better than, in my opinion, Bohemian Rhapsody does. We I'm don't sorry. talk about Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. Don't get me started. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I think they did but, Queen better. Oh god, yeah, they did. Yeah, that was incredible. Which they fucked up in the first episode. But as I said, I read 
a few pages in the book and they um, explain the queen thing. Yeah. You explained it to me and it yeah, now makes that in the, the you know how yeah. when he's he's dropping off the Antichrist, how a voice comes on the radio and it interrupts the song. That's supposed to be Freddie Mercury's voice, but I guess the guy that they got didn't do a good job. So you can't tell. But when you yeah. if you've read the book and you hear that, it makes sense. They should have it's gotten Rami Malik. It's supposedly it's like when somebody's like he's like getting a message through his radio or something, it takes over the song, but because all his music is queen, it's just Freddie Mercury coming out and giving him <laughs> his amazing. instructions. That's amazing. So, yes, okay, this is amazing because in American Gods, each cha- or or a majority of the scenes in the book are set up by a song. So, it's kind of the book telling you play this song as you read the, as you read this section, basically. And what Brian Fuller I can't does read that fast. <laughs> But as like Brian Fuller, I just put them on repeat as I read very slowly because I read very slowly. One of my one of one of my favorite book series, unfortunately, it's a YA series. It's Uh, a YA romance series. Okay, but the author. Give me the name. It's the Anna and the French Kiss. Yeah, I've never heard of it. It's really good. The whole series is good. I mean, each book is different, but the characters are connected. Okay, cool. But um the author really playlists for each book to explain the mood of each scene and it, yeah. it's beautiful yeah so that's, that's i found good. i found so many like one of my favorite french rock bands the hellboys i found them through that playlist like yeah the way neil gaiman does it in american gods is to get you in a vibe in a feeling for because the idea that the the small the bigger idea of american gods is the new gods versus the old gods pretty simple but the smaller idea is new America versus old America, rustic Midwestern America versus metropolitan big city America, right? That's kind of the, the underlying thematic thing. And whether one is bad and another one is good in different ways, they both kind of make up an integral part of what the American experience is. So every song kind of accentuates that vibe and that mood. And then the first season, Brian Fuller nails it in... Oh my fucking god, he nails it so well. They there's a moment where they play Dr. John's Ico Ico. Not Dr. John, uh, but they play a version of Ico Ico, which is a classic fucking Creole Louisiana ass fucking song. And it's like as they walk into these this ad- alligator bar, uh, and like Brian Fuller just like literally has the main character walk to a a fucking box thing, the music box that they have at bars, and he just plays it. And it sounds like it's in the background of the bar. Like it literally sounds... It's like Reservoir Dogs when he like walks out of the warehouse and it sounds like the song is muffled and then he comes back in. I love that shit. I love licensed music that is like scenic that's in the fucking scene that's playing out of a radio and if you walk away from it it becomes further that makes me think you brought up the gods (laughs) what percy jackson i hate to bring up these movies but even though we don't talk about them it's the cheesiest joke that leads into actually a decent use of a song is um when god i haven't seen i'm a a terrible fan right now i forgot the kid's name but he lucas i think okay the son of Hermes, he, um, who turns out to be the actual lightning thief. He, like, he literally, before they leave to, like, go to the underworld or whatever to get his, Percy's mom, mm-hmm. he's, like, he, he's, like, have fun on the, on the highway to hell. Or, like, he's when you reach hell, or, he makes a joke about hell. Yeah. And then highway to hell plays while they're on a bus <laughs> before right. they go meet Uma Thurman as Medusa. And, like, it's the cheesiest thing, but it worked. Okay. The one thing that that movie did, right? <laughs> Aside from the cast. Uh, Kelly, any other I- examples? 
Honestly, right now, my, my mind is kind of drifting to um, music being used as a motif throughout a film, which is completely oh. not the topic at all right now. But, but that's fine. <laughs> but um, that, that's just like another thing that I adore, adore in general as far as uh, certain films go. Because when I was initially thinking about this, I, I would definitely had a mind for films more along the lines of Spider-Verse, Reservoir Dogs, where it's just specific moments and soundtrack throughout the film. Mm -hmm. But another very unappreciated thing are uh, films like Cold War and Tokyo Story, where you have like a specific song that acts as a motif throughout the entire film. And it might slightly change like here and there, but generally speaking, it's kind of, um, it, it just, it does a great job reflecting the themes themes okay. maybe yeah. like titanic does that too i know now, now i'm just getting into like film shit but you know it's beautiful yeah. we, this this episode was it took entirely me, it took me my second watch of titanic to realize that they yeah. used my heart will go on the whole time time yeah it's it, it's uh this this episode was initially uh, as i pitched it was our moment to get our pretentious cred oh yeah very pretentious yeah, i this I, is i don't have much to say but when i speak it'll it'll probably be uh overly pretentious about some mechanic or whatnot. yeah i love it i love it it's goes. my favorite shit i want to uh, yeah it's it's like it's like it's like it's like because it's not actually pretentious it's just people call it pretentious because it's like it's more it, detailed yeah it's like you're giving more de it's not actually like nauseatingly like just like Oh well, you have to understand like comic the, book the timing boys fan fanboys explaining yeah. the entire history of oh of God. one tiny detail so, in a comic. Yeah, one. not even the whole like history of a character, just one no. tiny detail of a character. Yeah, because I think you bring up a good example. I think like you bring up a topic like licensed music in a movie, and the entire thought is. What is a movie that mirrors really well with its released official soundtrack I, that's made out of licensed music? I hate, I hate to bring this into musicals, but Moulin Rouge. It's very good. The way... I don't know how the fuck Baz Luhrmann got the rights to all those songs to mash them together, but it's incredible. Like, he mixed... He mixed... Uh, God, what was it? He mixed Roxanne with another song. I can't remember what it was. I can't in the in the, the tango scene. Yes, I can't. I know what, exactly like he, what you're talking and about. And then the the when they're in when they're singing in the elephant. Vince, yeah. And they it's like fifty different the songs, songs. It, yeah. like the Phil Collins and like other shit. Like it's a classic. God, like, it's good. So yeah, so yeah, that example, your example. I think there are different ways you can express a licensed use of a song or a song that like kind of you've heard somewhere else. I think like the bodyguard. It's kind of a very good example of this. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it is, whether that movie is good or not, like wh how, how whether mediocre that movie is, the soundtrack accentuates like Whitney, like the music makes Whitney Houston's performance in that movie better mm -hmm. because every song sung by Whitney Houston tells you her emotional state during that movie. And the usage of it makes her performance better. And... um. So yeah, so like I think there are different varieties of using uh, a licensed motif or a licensed song to express something. I mean, because you could have it be really fucking bad. You could have a licensed artist make a song specifically for your movie and it'd be fucking trash like Eminem with Venom. 
right? <laughs> or <laughs> Great Gatsby. Or, or exactly. As you much as I love Baz Luhrmann, him giving Jay Z all that power just was not good. Right, like, like, like that. I like. That, I get what he was trying to do, but the the like whole 1920s vibe mixed with modern day rap just did not go well. That that the musical motif for that movie was the most like holy shit. If you, I see the concept you're going for, and I wanted it to work, but you failed on every miserably. possible. Yeah, yeah, on every possible level, like um. Uh, they like I was also like prior to this I was thinking of like legitimately like directors who have used artists to make music originally for their movies like uh like Spike Lee had uh, Stevie Wonder make the soundtrack for uh, Flash for Gordon uh, Queen made the soundtrack for Flash, Flash Gordon, Gordon yeah. yeah and and Stevie Wonder made the soundtrack for Jungle Fever right uh she gotta have it is probably one of the greatest like hip hop licensed soundtracks in film i mean um uh the the even some of the some of the music choices in uh, in black Klansmen were very authentically like reminiscent of that stuff and i don't think that's licensed music that's a completely original soundtrack right? uh, um i can't remember the name of the song but the song that they play when they're in the disco it's like I believe, I believe, I yeah, believe. believe, I believe. I believe. I, yeah, yeah. I like I genuinely, after hearing that song, I just added it to my Spotify <laughs> playlist because it's when it's in a scene that just accentuates it. Like right? honestly, there's some songs out there where if I heard it, the song alone, oh, I, I wouldn't found the score. be affected by it like mm. at all. I looked at Black Klansman and I only found the score. Yeah. Oh, this is maybe like if you search up like a playlist, you'll find someone who made a playlist of all the. Music, music in it. Yeah. That's what I usually have to do when I'm looking for a specific song. Yeah, right. You're so. listening to a song by itself. So that means it's not a completely yeah, original when soundtrack. You're, um, Possibly. When you're listening to um, a song, it's not... For me, film often decides what kind of music I'm listen, listening to at any given moment. Mm -hmm. Because there are just so many times where if I had heard a song on its own without the scene, without everything that's going on there, if I just heard the song by itself, I may or may not be that interested in it. But because I'm thinking of that scene in my head and the emotions that I had when I was watching that scene, it just makes me want to go back to that song right. and put it on loop. Yeah. Honestly, the best example of this, for me at least, and it's a terrible example, is um, Blue Valentine. I don't know if either of y'all have seen that film. It's a very depressing film. Ryan Gosling's in there, right? Ryan Gosling, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, Ryan Gosling. Yes, okay. Oh, yes. I can't remember. I don't remember much about this movie. I one time logged into the chat and like five people were talking about how depressing that movie is. And I'm like, I I don't, I remember, but I don't remember. Yeah, it's, um, not, not, it's not a film you want to watch if you're in a vulnerable romantic state where um, your relationship's falling apart. You, you don't want to watch this film. <laughs> if that's going on. Oh, but, I thought you were just going to stop the sentence. There. <laughs> I just don't want to watch this movie. I don't, I don't know, though, because, like, uh, what's the one with Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet? Oh, Because um, a lot of people, like, Sunshine hail, the a yeah. lot of people, like, praise that, and I watched it, and I was like, I don't get it. I, I no. think it's a happier But film, I think though. a lot of it people, I think, I think it's because a lot of people relate to it, and I don't. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not a sad movie. The ending of it is, like, the ending like, is, like, I will move on. I don't need to. I don't yeah. need my memory. I yeah, I don't relate to that. So this may be why no. I don't understand that movie. It's yeah. just, I it's, think it, it accentuated every part of my soul. Yeah, like with that film specifically, I, I feel like the ending gets misinterpreted a lot as a sad ending. 
when really it's it's an extremely positive one it's just a film about moving on and accepting yeah and for some reason a lot of people don't see it and that and see it as like a vicious because of kate winslet like to a certain extent kate winslet's performance as great as it was and as much as it deserved an oscar made her such a beautifully like odd and like amazing figure that it's like no Jim, you have to be with her. It's you. Your two should be together. You because because they missed the idea of like everything that's beautiful about her is in Jim's memory. Mm-hmm. He's remembering all of those good parts, and he's trying to forget them because they hurt his fucking yeah. soul. And at the end, when he decided that he didn't need the memory machine anymore, that he could just move on, but those memories are sweet and nice in his head. It's a beautiful fucking thing. So I'm going to go like way off topic for a moment. But go just ahead. going off of that, we, we just need more films that are about relationships that where it doesn't work out in the end. Because like the only two I can think of off the top of my head, at least that are have like a happier ending, are you know Eternal Sunshine and 500 Days of Summer. Those yes. are like the only so two. So fuck I can you, think Nicholas of. Sparks. <laughs> for other reasons too, because he's an asshole. But like. Yeah. No, he he he's 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 to, in my opinion he's been influential on the romance genre in a way, but also has kind of to a certain extent denigrated it to the point of like it has to be a tragic. It's become loss. a cliche, yeah. exactly. And like a positive relationship story would be such a breath of fucking fresh air, like Honestly. like a broken relationship that can't be fixed, but that's fucking okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Never mind. Man. Sorry, I was getting excited. Oh, no, no, you're good. You're good. Uh, But yeah, I hate to say this, but it- Kung Fu Panda has a great like <laughs> soundtrack. <laughs> I was going to oh say God. Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to bring up that scene from Spider-Man 3. Where he dances? Where yeah, because that was it was a terrible movie and a terrible scene, but it that's, it worked. That's a meme it worked. Movie, one of the greatest it memes worked. in film history. That I song think. is on my Spotify playlist. Yeah, yeah it's a... Uh, no, I mean right now my a lot of things that I'm adding to my playlist unfortunately were from TikTok, but like Baby Driver and and uh, God, there's an I can't remember, but like there's 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 some movies that like I built a lot of my playlist off of. I have a question to kind of like wrap up this segment because we're about to get to time. Oh yeah, we've talked about a lot of like movies that like are have a, their own like plot and stuff, but there are movies who have for about a century now have been associated with licensed music, and that's Disney animated movies. Uh, Hercules, uh, Lion King, you get... And, and, and like, whether it's a combination of licensed music and I also, like, I said this like before, artists. I'll say it again, Hercules had the best soundtrack of any Disney movie from the 20th century. Are you sure about that? Yes. Uh, All bias here, but... Okay, I hate Little Mermaid, but like they're good under songs, the but sea like, and Urs- Ursula's song are like classic. I, the, I mean, I agree, but I don't think they're the best. Mm. Oh my god, this is. But also, you're talking to somebody who's who. This should be top three or like some of this. the most underrated movies. So of course, I think their soundtracks are beautiful. Well, why did you have to bring this up now? Because I feel like all of our answers are different uh, as far as exactly. Like my favorite Disney songs are from are from my top three from Hercules, Aristocats, and Oliver and Company. Minus Tarzan. Tarzan is the greatest Disney soundtrack of all time because Phil Collins is one of the greatest treasures to have ever been handed to the American public. Uh, Fuck Phil Collins. Phil Collins. That fucking song he did 
with what's his band called genesis yeah the song he did where they're like hobos and they're walking and he's talking about a girl that left him that fucking was the soundtrack say, to thing, so many every breakouts. time i think about genesis right now i think of sing street which is a good no. it's oh, a, yeah. it has a great soundtrack but fucking i love that movie but there's one fucking scene where he's like he, when he's first getting into music and stuff and he's like talking to his brother or whatever and like the girl he likes got in the car with her boyfriend and a song was playing and they're talking about it and he's like what song was playing and he's like oh it was some genesis song and they talk about it like it's bad i'm like fuck you <laughs> no, like yeah, nah. god the genesis is Did the U- does the uk band. not like genesis like what is it I, I think I think Gen- I think did the them, UK not dig them in the eighties or something? Ma- maybe because Genesis was huge here and where I lived. Yeah. So in America and where in the countries I I lived in, uh, here's another one that I kind of forgot about. That's also an animated movie, but Elton John and uh, the city Lion of Lion King. No, El Dorado. Oh. Uh, what's the name of that movie? What's the full name? Road there? to El Dorado. The Road yeah. to El Dorado. I haven't seen. The, it's like that movie, and then there's two others that are like the same. Like are also DreamWorks. Yeah. Like Sinbad, and then another one. I think. Uh, Prince of Egypt. Prince of yeah. Egypt. I haven't yeah. seen them since I was a kid, but like. But El Dorado is the only one that holds up, out of all of those, and and El Dor- it holds up because of Elton John's soundtrack. It is, in my opinion, one of his finest, like recent albums 2000s albums is the soundtrack for the road to Eldorado. it is phenomenal uh any other ones y'all can think of before we kind of wrap this up uh disney and billy idol and oliver and company no not billy idol billy joel billy joel i don't know why i get them confused i always get billy idol and billy joel confused and their music is vastly different yes very different it's very Uh, what about? Have you seen that? This is so off topic. Have you seen that video? It's the music video for Party Rock Anthem with Uptown Girl over it. Because <laughs> oh they're god. the same. Oh my god. Because they're both. Well, I mean, most songs are 4 4 time, but like, they're like exactly. It just fits. Yes. Uh, it's the it's the scene where like the whole group is shuffling or whatever, and it just has Uptown Girl over it. It's beautiful. <laughs> Have y'all ever seen Sid and Nancy? No. Uh,. So it is it is one of Gary Oldman's earliest movie and it is his story with his longtime girlfriend. It's it's Sid Vicious's I, I've heard biopic. I've heard of it. Yes. And then the right now the thing that I think about it because I don't know much about it is one scene in Thirteen Reasons Why. I'm sorry I watched the first season of that fucking show. Uh, me too. Okay, I regret it, but honestly though, like that soundtrack that they got together. For the uh, like season one and two, even though I didn't watch the show, I I, I, I only like the soundtrack season. Oh no, those, that's, like that that's a weird thing about young adult TV shows nowadays. They, they have bombs and soundtracks. They have fucking bomb like bomb ass. The Runaways soundtrack. has a great the soundtrack. Runaway, Cloak and Dagger has a great fuck. The Magicians is a show that genuinely like makes my skin crawl. Great Umbrella Academy. Sound- Umbrella Academy. Young adult fucking shows are killing it with licensed music right now. They know how. That to doesn't like, mean, re- but that doesn't mean we're saying Thirteen Reasons Why is good. It's oh, not. Yeah. It's a terrible. It is a show. terrible show. But ho- yes, you are completely. The correct season about three this trailer. Oh my this god! <laughs> I only know this because I, I like the the film club's Twitter follows a bunch of accounts because I do that because I retweet you yeah. know the stuff and occasionally like I'll post trailers in the in the 
in the group chat and I was like, I saw that come up. I was like, no, I'm <laughs> not. I know y'all don't give a shit about that. No, I, I stopped. Only people who care are the, the 12 year olds season. on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. The second halfway through that second season, we kind of gave up. We're going to go back. I didn't even watch the first season. Pissed me off. But yeah, said vicious is the basis for sex pistols. And so the entire soundtrack of the movie is layered in with this heavy punk music. But it's. It's about a relationship. Oh. That Isn't there one movie called Tommy? I forget what band it was. Yeah. Uh, Tommy. It's called Tommy, but yes. I can't remember the band that uh, made it. I will. Because uh, the band directly made it. Yes. Or something. I can't remember who made it. Also, a great like indie licensed music movie is Frank. Yes. 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 Fuck. Frank is a movie that like it, it's been a really fucking difficult time to find anyone who like it's a rock. There's rock. a documentary about him on who on no on Amazon Prime. Frank is so good and none of my friends like it. Hey, we both like it. I so. love it. We y'all. had a whole conversation. Yeah. That's, why like I got excited. Like, That's why I got excited. I was like, I finally found people who are like actual like who you know are good at art. You know, just get it. <laughs> the who, the who, the who, the who, the who is very good. I can't find uh, it on Wikipedia. It comes with 2014. Uh, no, old. Tommy, 1975. Yeah. 1975. Yeah. Uh, Sid, yeah. Sid and Nancy is a very good movie. Like that's a lo- it's a love story and it's a really unique one. Remember in Rocky, the relationship between them in the first movie, it's kind of weird. And like, he's taking her to a meat packing. It's kind of yeah. that because he's like a punk bassist. And I've, so I've and only seen Rocky Balboa because I thought it was the first one. <laughs> and then I saw Milo Ventimiglia and I was like, what the fuck is happening? That's that's amazing. That's amazing. I'm sorry. Uh, Creed has a great licensed soundtrack. Meek oh. Mill killed it on that. Meek Mill kills it. Like, Black Panther They use Meek Mill really well in that soundtrack is what I meant. Okay, I'll, real quick. When you said Creed, my mind went to the band, so I was very confused <laughs> Oh, for I'm a sorry. Moment. No, no, no. I was like, what? Creed that... Yeah, the, the Michael B. Jordan. Yes. Yeah. Yes, great yeah. licensed soundtrack. Holy shit, now all of these licensed soundtracks are coming to my mind. See, now that we've been Black talking... Black Panther. Like, Black Panther, a great licensed in. soundtrack. Uh, it's it's one of the reasons why I think it's one of the best I told Marvel you about movies this. of there's, last year. There's mm. one That's there's one like grammar hiccup in in Black Panther the song by Ka- Kendrick Lamar. I told oh. you about this. Oh yeah, That's and the only problem I have. I can't that unhear it now. Exactly. I can't unhear it every time it comes on because I watch a lot of videos that talk about like I watch a video and then mention Black Panther. Then they'll play that song and then if that section comes on, I'm like, fuck, thanks, Rachel. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, but one second because. Frank. Frank. Is so fucking... Mike Fassbender, that that movie was the movie where I was like, holy shit. And like, and like Megan Gyllenhaal does a lot of weird ass fucking movies, but that one fucking like... She nailed it. Yes. And that, that that's the same piece of shit guy from the fucking, from fucking, uh, ex, right? Ex Machina? Um, Aren't they the same? Donald Gleason? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Hey, he plays that shithole, shitheel guy so fucking well. The guy who wants to be the nice guy, but is always just, ah, mm-hmm. crossed under my skin. I fucking, that performance was so good. He oh. played an okay guy in The Revenant. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh my God. Every song in Frank is fantastic. The, the homages that they did to kind of like fucking Captain Beefheart, where they're sitting in the cottage yes. playing with fucking weird ass instruments. Oh my God. Oh, oh my you know God. what that made me think of? There's what? this really bad, well, I don't think it's bad. I think it's okay. There, but there's a low budget movie on Netflix called Emo the Musical. But the music is in the in the movie. But like, you know, like they're actually like 
like this kid. Are we gonna are we gonna skip forward before you said emo the musical? Yeah. <laughs> Wait. What? What is? I gotta find. I'll read off the what Netflix says. It's actually pretty good though. It's kind of. Are funny. you serious? Yes. Because me and my me and my best friend had this trip. He lives in San Antonio now, so we don't get to do this anymore. But we had this tradition where we would watch just really low budget bad movies on netflix and occasionally okay. we find one that's actually pretty good and this was one of them holy like we shit. found it we were like holy fucking shit let's watch this and it was actually pretty good that's incredible Hold on. Oh, God. all that's on the main page for netflix is that fucking chris evans movie which one the pro israeli one. Oh, great okay <laughs> i didn't even watch the trailer i for accidentally that. yesterday went on to netflix and my my uh roku remote was lagging so i just kept pressing the button on netflix and it actually so started, started playing and i was like fuck no <laughs> like uh, that's uh, that's the part i'm worried about that whodunit movie um knives out knives out i'm worried about what chris evans seems to have a really big role and i'm worried yeah. that he's going to suck the air out of that room uh, okay no offense to chrissy i said this before but all he has Captain America. I think that's his only good role. TBH. I agree. I was trying to think of ways I'm to gonna counter trigger. argue you, but I'm gonna, I couldn't. Think I'm gonna of trigger movie. all my friends on Twitter that I know through the MCU, but that's the only role he has. I mean, like, like name one other Chris Evans. Character. He has Steve Rogers. That's it. I think I think he played him beautifully, but that's what's all he's your got. number is a bad romantic comedy, but him and Chris Pratt's wife's. Uh, what's her name? Anna Ferris. Anna Ferris's chemistry in that movie was killer. That's it. That's all that movie has. <laughs> it's not a good performance. Anna Ferris carries that movie <gasps> on her back. Another, I just thought of another soundtrack. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Very good that soundtrack. That soundtrack. Oh. Yes. Yes. They got Very a good. Miranda Crosgrove song in that song in that movie. I mean, if you if you get if you get iCarly on it, you're you're, you're <laughs> Anyways, okay, it. so even the musical says expelled from private school for attempted suicide, emo Ethan enters the world of Seymour High and meets a a cute Christian who's ready to convert him. But that doesn't even fully explain wow. it. It's a fucking insane movie, but it's really fucking good. <laughs> I'm telling you, the low-budget shit... Charlie has said this, too, in meetings. The low-budget shit is the best shit you'll yeah. ever see. Yeah. Okay. I it's mean, an they take risks. You know? Yeah. it's uh, You gotta go big or go home, I guess. Uh, I guess, uh, any other examples? Any other final thoughts on this topic? Or, and, or you can take it away, Rachel, if uh, no one has... Good. Are you good, Kelly? Uh, I think I am pretty good for the most part. Well, the thought that I was trying to get out earlier with mm -hmm. Blue Valentine. Um, oh, right. You Only Hurt the One You Love. I think that's what it's called. I might be okay. misremembering. That song is forever going to be like my number one breakup song. <laughs> <laughs> Just because of that film. Okay. When I think of, of breakup songs, I think of No Strings Attached when she's sitting in the car <laughs> crying, uh, singing Bleeding Love. Because <laughs> <laughs> he made her a period playlist. <laughs> Does the diary of uh, what's her name? Uh, the fucking Bridget, Bridget Jones. Jones. Bridget Jones. Does it have a licensed soundtrack? I can't remember. I haven't seen it to be honest. Love Actually apparently has a really good fucking licensed soundtrack, but I I just don't like Love Actually. A lot of people love that movie. I do not like Love Actually. I think it's a good film to watch once a year, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I am surprised that uh, w we might get this once we get into the second conversation, but I am surprised that you now have two movies that you think are good, but you would never watch again, which is Midsummer and Eighth Grade. I have one of those. It's Eighth Grade. Yeah. I will never watch Me Eighth too. Grade ever again. But uh, I am I, now more interested in seeing Midsummer because of what she told me and that. 
I want to feel that disturbiness. You need you need to watch it, and then you just go in the to... morning when there's like one other person there, and you'll feel okay. Because that's how I watched it, and it was still uncomfortable, but it wasn't as uncomfortable as if I had watched it with the group of people. Oh, no, I, wanna... I kind of now want to have a film club going to a midsummer showing and just like yeah. stare at other people's like reactions. We'll put that. <laughs> we'll put that in the mystery box. Yeah, that'll be great. All right, I guess we can take it away. All right, uh, I don't. Is I kind of have music working. My segue okay. is with All right, the music. I'm going to try. So we yeah, we have transition music now. There We've we had go. it for about this is our third episode having it. Yeah, but yeah. um it sounds like jazzercise today. That's what I'm feeling. I don't oh. know how to word I don't know how to word this. This is a bad one. I don't know. <laughs> but this is we're today in the rec room we're doing jazzercise to the Scott Pilgrim ass music. Um <laughs> oh This God. is actually my favorite transition <laughs> of yours. Um. Anyways, so we're doing Cougs Rex. <laughs> Wasn't it Rex? Uh, <laughs> Kelly, do you want to take us away, um, or do you want like Rachel I'll, to? I'll, I'll recommend two films. All right, just one that I've seen semi recently, and one that from last year. Uh, first one, Art of Self Defense. It's a very strange film, and it's very familiar. I, I think it definitely I've takes a lot from uh, Fight Club. It's basically oh. Fight Club minus the edginess of Fight Club. And that's... The what? poster, for some reason, makes me think of the 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 instructor guy from Napoleon Dynamite. Wait. The poster makes me think... You know what I'm talking about? The scene when uh, he makes him take him to that like karate place. It stars Jesse yeah. Eisenberg? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's Jesse Eisenberg. Um, I don't remember anybody else in that film. <laughs> is he playing Jesse Eisenberg? Is he just playing a guy with OCD? That's that's the thing. Is that it's been a while since Jesse Eisenberg has had a role where I thought he shined in. Oh wow! Okay. This is the first time since like the Social Network where I think he's just like pitch perfect casting. They should remake the Social Network. Which is really? a biopic of how they turned Update it. <laughs> of how they turned uh, Mark Zuckerberg into a robot. No, we just need a social network. Part like, two. like Zima Blue. Not to make oh, this Zuma, political. Like Zima Blue with Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. But not as like not as like wholesome as Zima yes. Blue. Yes. Yeah. Uh, More th- greed. Not, not to make this way too political, but just look up uh, a presidential candidate by the name of Tim Ryan, and he looks like the old model suit of like Zuckerberg that he pulls out of the closet just to look like a nice old man when he goes and gets coffee. It's amazing. (laughs) Just go look pictures of Tim Ryan. Anyways, this is insane. What the fuck is this movie? Look, just go in expecting the worst. Because Loki, when when I went to see it, I was just kind of bored. And I thought, well, it's playing. And I saw the trailer a while back. And it's just kind of interesting. Didn't have high hopes. Walked out of the film. It's definitely not like one of my favorite films of the year but it's definitely been on my mind and god i'm really bad at like explaining movies without getting into spoilers but basically i don't care about spoilers without giving like too much away it focuses a lot on um like masculinity and gender but as opposed to like trying to make some kind of statement about it like a lot of like socially conscious films it just lets things play out and just lets you kind of make your own judgments on the characters and their decisions and i you know just just like i was saying earlier with the uh 
tragic love stories that don't end well but still have a happy ending. Yeah. I feel like we need more films like this where you do focus on like social concepts and issues that are larger than just like two characters doing uh, like being creepy to each other or yeah yeah exactly like not everything needs to be like a dark tragedy to be like aware and conscious and have like a message Mm -hmm. and i think this is definitely a movie i think i was looking at i was trying to find a show time to go watch it and i think it played for like a minute because i can't find anything now so i'm gonna have to wait for digital Yeah, uh, but AMC is doing that right now where they're they're like showcasing certain movies because they're apparently like indie or some shit. Yeah. And uh, I don't think it's going well for that. Yeah, this kind of this kind of reminds me of the attempt that like it's not the, the same movie at all, but it's kind of the attempt that like Maniac was trying to take. I still need to watch Maniac. I haven't seen it. Um, it's, it's, I heard it, it was really weird. It's very weird. It's very odd. At one point, Jonah Hill turns into an eagle. Um, the one thing that stands out in that movie is its attempt at like breaking away and making fun of the idea of toxic masculinity and internalized misogyny at the same time. Mm-hmm. The eagle thing uh, makes me think of Nacho Libre. It's kind of like Nacho. It actually <laughs> really? kind of looks like When he Nacho. climbs upon the cliff and he well, eats the eagle egg? Oh, well, no, no, no. Uh, it's, it's, it, I don't remember. <laughs> and then he it, jumps off the cliff? Oh my God. Well, it's, no, well, it, it, the, the weird part, it's like it's a POV of the eagle. So it's like how you imagine the eagle looking for Nacho Libre being. Like, it's fucking weird. It's just like, it's a first-person eagle shot. But also, like, the thing that's... Like sends, Game of Thrones? <laughs> yeah, the weird thing about that show is how hard Jonah Hill was trying to catch up to Emma Stone in the performance itself. Like, he was really trying to be a good actor. And I'm not saying that Jonah Hill is a bad actor. I'm just saying that, like... The man put an effort to mm-hmm. just like, and like Emma Stone kind of glides through a lot of the show. She puts an effort where she needs to, but she kind of glides through and it's like glaring how much easier for her the show was than it was for Jonah. And at certain po- moments, you could say that Jonah went full Sean Penn. When, uh, I am Sam. He, he, at certain points, he kind of went full I am Sam. I'm sorry, not to break it, but this kind of feels and looks like that. Uh, I just can't imagine Jesse as a, anyways. It's, it's a very strange film. Definitely recommend it. And um, the other one, just a quick recommendation. Days by the lights. <laughs> I was thinking about Sean Penn wrote. What was it? I told you about it? Sean Penn wrote like an op-ed about some a movie or something that people didn't. Roma. Like. No. Green was it book. Not, Green book. You yeah. wrote about that was that's yeah. what I'm trying because yes, you said book. Sean Penn. It triggered yeah. me. I could not remember. <laughs> yeah. God. Okay, yes. anyways, that's it. Sorry. Uh, I like how I Sean Penn to, just I was triggers trying, you now specifically. I was trying to remember that what article. that what he wrote that about. It was it was Green Book, okay. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, the other one, like I've been listening to a lot of um clipping recently. Oh. And so just like on the back of my mind, I've been thinking a lot about like uh Blind Spotting, which came out last year. It is a terrific film. I don't think enough people caught it while it was playing. Um, you know, if if you like you like hip hop music? Yes, the it is it is David Diggs and his and his theater partner, his yeah, I don't remember the name prose of the partner, partner, his prose partner, and they did. I was uh, about to say Lin Manuel Miranda. It's not a musical. No, but it's a prose. It's it's all set in the cadence of like a poem. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Yeah, it's uh, I I I I I've 
I've sadly have not been able to find a showing near me when the movie was out. Dang. And I've been waiting for it to come out. But I've been watching on the internet those like one out of ten clips from oh it. Yeah. <laughs> when they put them up. And I'll be, it's mesmerizing. Every time I see those, I'm like... Is it the whole movie in 10 clips? <laughs> or is it just individual Indiv- clips? And it's always random, individual clips, but for some reason, every clips. time I think it's going to be the whole movie in clips. Yeah, yeah it's wild. Uh, but th- I also have the album on my uh, Spotify. Nice. It's a fantastic LP. It's very good. Uh, uh, yeah, I, Good, re- fucking great record because I've been wanting to watch it. Hey, and watch thank you it. for reminding just, me. Just because I recommended it, you got you just got to watch it like sometime this week. You've had a hard week, just let it be your sit back, yeah, relax. That's true. Have, like enjoyment. Is it reward. on a streaming service? Um, I'll Google it. I think it might be on Amazon. I feel like I saw it on Amazon, but I uh, cannot say for sure. I'm very excited then. Hold on. I'll, I'll look it up. Um, but yeah, those are my recommendations. Yes. Uh, it's not on streaming services. It's only for Bummer. sale. Damn. So it uh, is on Amazon. Just rent for... it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, David Diggs is probably... I love him for two reasons. I love him for clipping. And I love him because in an interview with either Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon, one of the Jimmys, uh, he he basically gave probably the best defense of Hamilton uh, being like... Uh, His uh, Thomas Jefferson's really good too. Yeah. And he talked about how... This is this is a black man's version of Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, I was gonna say even a, though Thomas Jefferson was a dick. Yeah, he he literally in the interview he's like, to, like in an interview on Most live television, at late night television he's like, yeah, Thomas Jefferson is a rapist and a racist, like and called him out historically on the things that he did, and he said that this is an interpretation of what a black Thomas Jefferson would have done, and it was one of the better defenses that I've seen of Hamilton being like a revisionist history of like. Like another episode where I'm able to bring up Philip Hamilton. <laughs> oh my God, your legendary 19, 18th century fuckboy! I cannot believe this. One of the most random ass things, and I love it. I remember showing like I it. went to my brother's apartment for a Game of Thrones episode, and or, or no, I don't. Yeah, I did. It was it was like the first episode, and it was like me his girlfriend and one of her friends mm-hmm. and i showed them the picture and they're like it's a fucking pencil sketch what are you talking about <laughs> i don't care it's the only picture that exists oh my god that's amazing the uh, pencil sketch that his nephew did like and that is as that, an adult and like, that is your major crush i love it i love it i love it it's my favorite thing in the world um rachel your recommendation anyways anyway anyways um it ends in the saddest way, but that is my favorite song in Hamilton. Um, okay, my recommendations. I wrote these a while ago, but I mean, I, I, full bias, but also no bias. I recommend Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. Bias for Leo. I mean. Um, <laughs> you once on this podcast said, no matter how this movie turns out, I, I, you I, should give him I an I stand by that. I, stand I, I mean, by. having now seen it now, I stand by that. Yeah, okay. I, I would say if they both, him and Brad Pitt got nominated, I would say Brad Pitt deserves it more, but he should at least be nominated. Yeah, mm. like, honestly, mm. I, I agree with the sentiment. I, I don't... Would I be alive in an era where Brad Pitt wins an Academy Award? Holy shit. Fingers crossed. That's honestly, probably weird. best performance of the year, but we're, we're only, like, months? halfway through the year, though. There, the, there are other if he wins, If he gets nominated and then maybe wins, this gives me hope that Robert Pattinson can actually finally oh, get it. please. Yeah. Please. 
Yes. Which trailer for him and Willem Dafoe in The Lighthouse came out? I haven't seen it yet, though. I, I the, That trailer looks very interesting. And I am very fascinated by his later. choices. Uh, full disclosure. When have I you posting, all seen the trailer post- for The Irishman? Not yet. Yes. Yeah, full disclosure. I know I post the trailers in the fucking group chat as because I'm press secretary. <laughs> oh, I don't, know, I, I don't know if you did. I, I do. Don't know if you I usually do. I usually do as part of my job, but that doesn't mean I've seen them. Oh, I don't know. I, I didn't put even them, know you I posted them, it. Yeah, I, I post a lot of them, but I don't watch a lot you, of you them. You don't watch them ahead of time to check for not safe for work material that might be in the trailers? No, because I know nobody cares. But I put wow. them in my watch playlist, my watch later playlist on uh. YouTube, and then I share them. Yeah, I just didn't know if y- if y'all heard of the news because I haven't been on the chat. But like, watching just Netflix really wants an Oscar, right, but they picked the right moment of that movie to put in the tra- the first conversation between fucking Robert De Niro and fucking uh, Al Pacino, and then John Pesci hands him the fucking phone. I'm kind of. I'm kind of Also, in. they I'm just kinda. announced Leo's officially in. I think it's Flowers in the Attic or something. Yeah. Marty's oh. next. It's really? he's finally he's getting Leo and De Niro in a movie. Wow. Mm. Yeah. But Netflix really alive. wants that fucking Oscar. All right. And and is Martin just have a, like a four a three movie, five movie deal with Netflix or something? I don't know. Huh. No, I mean, no, that's not with Netflix. I'm saying they with the Irish. But it'll be really great. Okay. Oh, oh, the other movie is not with Netflix. I don't think so. They're spending a, over a hundred million dollars on this fucking movie. I don't know. And it'll be great to see Martin actually get I'm nominated just, for there's he, so, a he's I, not due award. Back to Leo. There's so many things he has said he's being involved in in the next few years, and only two of them apparently because this with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and now okay. Flowers in the Ad- Well, no, because that wasn't announced before. Okay. So there's four others that were revealed that he has not given in on and i'm pissed off because i'm waiting for him because one of them was him as h.h H. holmes in uh devil in the white city okay. which that's the one that i was talking about it's supposed to be with martin scorsese and then oh. the other is the da vinci movie oh his okay. fucking namesake like i need that fucking movie <laughs> that's the that's gonna be the quintessential dicaprio movie no <laughs> matter how good or bad it is because that's his fucking namesake Ah. <laughs> uh. Hey, a prolific hey, Leo. Y'all know, y'all, prolific. y'all know the Wikipedia game. I'm prolific. Yes. Where you, that. where you like, you go to one page and then you're like, get to this page through the mm-hmm. hyperlinks. Me and my In high school, I screwed a bunch of people over because someone was like, start at Leonardo DiCaprio and go to Leonardo da Vinci. And I knew that there in his Wikipedia article there was a thing about him being named uh-huh. after da Vinci, and I just fucking went to it and I was like, <laughs> I fucking screwed them over. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. It was one of my proudest moments, though. <laughs> uh anyways my actual I like recommendation though oh oh okay <laughs> yeah. i thought we were talking about the original one uh what? but but wait uh, with the original what uh the uh once upon a time in hollywood and leonardo dicaprio oh i thought yeah. he was just a general recommendation of yours it is but mm. it's not the ones that i read by now, the way but if, I actually if y'all do. have are into brad, a brad pitt mood uh watch the tree of life it's a weird fucking movie. It's a weird fucking movie. Now I'm going to go watch Moneyball. <laughs> Moneyball is a really good one. Is it? Be- is his performance in this one better than Moneyball? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's just my opinion. Okay. His, I will say Fury wasn't a great movie, but his performance in that is also very good. Yes. Fury. I liked Fury. I like it too, but it's not. Yeah. It's not. It's not Dunkirk. Technically good. Yeah. It that, has a great that'll cast That'll piss off though. a lot of people, by the way. A lot of people hate Dunkirk. Oh my God. <laughs> I like Dunkirk. I like Dunkirk more than Interstellar. Dunkirk is a great it proved film. Nolan, Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan, was not like, Nolan North. Was like showing like, hey, <laughs> hey, 
Harry Styles can act, which I truly believe in. A lot of people joked about that. People were like, oh, they got this fucking One Direction guy in this movie. He can actually act. Like, And Fury proved that, I'm like, so- and Fury finally proved once and for all that uh, even Stevens, what's his name? Shia LaBeouf can, a- can actually genuinely act. Yes. The cast in the movie is really good. Yes. Fury had a very good I cast. only watched it for Logan Lerman, but. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Wait, which is, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you, Rachel, but this thought came in and I need to answer it very quickly. Which is a better Jonah Hill performance, Moneyball or Wolf of Wall Street? Wolf of Wall Street. I'm going to go Moneyball. Oh, honestly. A split room. I will I say, know. one of my favorite bloopers of all time is from Moneyball. It's five minutes. I think it's the scene where uh, Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill are watching the tapes and they're talking about the guy that only has one ball or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's five minutes of Brad Pitt laughing. About about someone with one Cause, No, because they're trying to get through that scene. scene. And it, that's the only blooper of the entire movie. But it's wow. the greatest blooper of all time. Oh. It's five minutes of Brad Pitt. He just can't fucking get through the scene. The one scene. story that I wanted to be got, got on tape is the story that Jonah Hill told about filming uh, fucking Wolf of Wall Street. And apparently Martin Scorsese doesn't sit on set anymore. He sits in a separate room with a bunch of monitors that show him the cameras. And he apparently called in to have Jonah Hill come in because he wasn't happy with the scene because they had done the scene like four or five times. And so Leo walks up to to jonah and he's like he wants to see you and they walk into this room and jonah sits like a little boy at the principal's <laughs> office he tells the story on james Corden or something and then he sits like a little boy and then martin is just like you're doing okay but you, but like you need to be there like watch leo is martin scorsese <laughs> just a big like mob guy of the, indi- the film yeah, industry making so. all these mob movies and then he is <laughs> exactly it sounded exactly like that and then he's Jonas- fucking marlon brando just <laughs> in the godfather like the story is amazing i i will i will try to find the video of him telling the story and i will put it in the chat because like <laughs> just <laughs> jonah's like attitude towards like he's being scolded by a principal like that's how he's like presenting the story it's great and then leo's just like it's okay it's okay but be careful this might be your last chance or something <laughs> like that it was God. it was fucking great uh oh but yeah God. all right now Anyways, to your actual other- i apologize <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna laugh at these because we talked cats 1998 cats finally finished it and now it's your favorite i I tried watching it a couple years ago i only got halfway through i could not do it and then after the trailer release for the new one which i'm i can't i can't speak for that i can't speak for that (laughs) i can't stand that james corden and rebel wilson are in that movie i cannot now that i understand the characters taylor swift is the sexy cat I know. Like how fucking stereotypical can you get? And the trailer is literally the J- Jennifer Hudson's cat is the cat. His song is literally about how much he fucks. He's a fuck boy, right? Yes, but okay. So like two years ago, I, wa- I tried watching Cats in 1998, and I only got halfway through it. I just wasn't there. And then after the trailer came out, I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I was like, I'll I'll get Broadway HD and <laughs> watch it, which I don't recommend getting Broadway HD. It's not worth it. Yeah, I, I there's remember not, we had a conversation. There's not a whole lot on there. Oh, that's a shame. It's it's like Kinky Boots and cats and uh what hedwig the one with neil patrick harris oh and then yeah. some other old stuff and that's about it oh bummer it's not good but anyway so i got the i got like the i uh the the like week-long trial and i took uh. just to watch cats and i finally got through the whole thing i was like i, I dig this <laughs> i'm into it now but I, that doesn't mean i'm there for the movie i'm just gonna see it to the see entire it. trailer was like the jennifer hudson meme of her singing very loudly like they the, well, I will. I will say the problem. I is definitely the fucking VFX. No, we're not like that's the main problem. That and then the other problem is James Corden and Rebel Wilson. Otherwise, you, do you I not like them? No, 
Oh, okay. I don't think but either of them James are funny. James Corden was very good in Into the Woods. He was, but I don't think either of them are funny. And they get typecast as funny, but they're not funny. Uh, in my opinion. My problem is, I, yeah. I, except for Haley Seinfeld, I genuinely do not enjoy much of that Pitch Perfect cast. I don't like Pitch Perfect. I don't oh. like no that, like Pitch Perfect made me dislike they the cast too hard. Of, of 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 Pitch Perfect. You if don't they like, had um, Anna Kendrick. Wow, she's okay. I what if they had stopped with that first? If they hadn't made a single sequel, I would no. still like. I liked it when I first saw the it, but then the more it went on, the more they dragged it on. The more Elizabeth Banks tried to just pull it out and milk it. I was like, fuck. The no. fact that that like her entire character is that she doesn't like movies. While she, because they're not as good as she wants them to be, but she is a character she's in a an too, extremely mediocre too, movie. Was like really. She's a weird. too cool for school kind of character. Yeah. And it's annoying. The one good part about all the Pitch Perfect movie is when is, is when what's his face like fucking gets on her ass for being like that when she like shows up to his dorm and he's just like no fuck you. Okay, sure that moment, but my favorite musical moment is the acapella scene where they sing uh, fucking uh, God. Damn it. The rap song. What's it called? The, no the diggity? Arm, no diggity. That, that, that one was like, it's cultural appropriation, but they do a really good job at culturally appropriating <laughs> that song. <laughs> Hayley Seinfeld is the only one that walked away from that movie that I'm like, because of Edge of Seventeen. Edge of Seventeen saved her for me. And I know she doesn't give a fuck, but like, I care about my opinion. So fuck Hayley Seinfeld and everyone on Pitch Perfect. But All the right. one movie that saved her career for me in my eyes was edge of 17 and not any of the pitch perfect movies but definitely that, not Ender's that's game. my hot take no no <laughs> ender's game killed all of those people's careers every <laughs> abigail preslin has now just decided to make a real comeback in a big way and it's the sequel to Zombieland. yeah, yeah. Hey, remember, i still haven't seen that trailer either uh, remember when as butterfield was like a really big deal was yeah. he was supposed He's to be like the now <laughs> yeah. though yeah, no, I I appreciate that a lot of those people are making a comeback, but like that movie killed a bunch of careers. Is Ben Kingsley like, making a comeback? <laughs> I don't. I hope not anymore, because he's like he's like the bad well, I guess joke. The, I guess version. the only person that wasn't truly harmed was like Viola Davis. Well, yeah, because she's a legend, but also she did Ma recently, right? No, no that's, uh, that's Olivia. Oh right, I confused them too. Ah, what's your last name? Olivia Octavia Spencer. Uh, Octavia Spencer. Won the Oscar for the hell, <laughs> not Olivia. Okay, we we should move away from this. Anyways, yes. Uh, what is this? I don't know where we went with this, but uh, recommendations. Uh, this yeah. turned this podcast turned from something very like serene, serene and just like calm, and like within the last two episodes, we've just become a hot mess. <laughs> it's beautiful. I like it. But like, this is like my internal monologue just coming out. Yeah. So this is how insane I am in my mind. Is this episode going to be like two hours long? So uh, we are at an hour 30 currently. Okay. Oh, Anyways, God. my other... this I only have one more. Child's Play. The, okay. 80s, the 80s, not... The original? Yes. Um, I I told you this before. My brother terrorized me with Chucky as a kid. And so I refused to watch that movie. Like, ch- like Child's Play, Scream, uh, any of the Jason Voorhees or um, Freddy Krueger. Or um, Halloween or any of those. Any of that. Nightmare I refuse to watch any of that. Mm. I still refuse to watch The Exorcist. But that's not even because of my brother. But... Um, so finally, like, I was like, I guess I'll watch it. And I was like, I'm older now. I'm starting to get into horror for the first time. So, like, maybe. And I actually fucking enjoyed it. It was like, it That's wasn't good. scary. It was hilarious to me. Yes. But it was it was really fucking good. Like, I understand, like, 
not like like i understand evil dead did a lot for horror and it was a big deal at the time but like now watching it it hasn't held up and i think it's a fucking joke now but like this fucking holds up like the ant like the way like they didn't have cgi they didn't have animation in it it was an actual fucking doll and the way they had his hand like grasping Mm -hmm. things is the only shot of 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 him moving that was like stupid is when at the near the beginning when the the lady's babysitting the kid and she's sitting there and you see something run across it's just a fucking kid it's just a fucking five-year-old kid but every other shot it's actually like the doll like doing stuff and like the fact that they got his hand wrapping around like that's real that's not cgi like Mm -hmm. that blew my mind it's incredible the other thought that i have is like i imagined his murder voice to sound because like he starts out he just sounds like the doll doll but, like, I imagined his murder voice to sound like the Bagel Bros guy, and it fucking did. And it, like, it made my, like, whole experience that much better. Like, I'm glad I watched it after the Bagel Bros video came out. Jesus. <laughs> uh, one defense for the Evil Dead, the OG Evil Dead, is uh, I believe that that movie was always intended to be a comedy more than a horror movie. It was intended to to, to make I, fun I, of stuff then. I don't know, because the, the people who made it were film students, so they probably were very into it. I mean, and yeah, took but, it very seriously. I mean, to give you context, you should go and watch Sam Raimi's "Drive Me to Hell." Oh, that's actually really. But because film. "Drive Me to Hell" is basically a comedy. Like literally, at one point, they drop an anvil on somebody's head. Like, but it is like a happened gen- in the woods. But it, but it is a. Ge- <laughs> I would argue that like uh, the subtle criticisms that "Drive Me to Hell" has are more well thought out than "Cabin in the Woods." "Drive yeah. Me to Hell" is a Sam Raimi criminally underrated agreed and as as, as a, like an auteur well, not he, like a spider-man direct no he did that to himself guy. because of spider-man i sure, think sure. And no three was a spite thing they didn't give him four which oh. he wanted four he wanted to finish his quadrilogy and they didn't give it to him so he shoved both ideas from what he wanted for three and four into three and basically gave a big fuck you so they could uh. never make another movie respect then yeah at least he's not doing what ryan johnson's doing now oh god where he 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 knows he he did a shitty trilogy that he took seriously but he still talks shit about everything else about star wars because he thinks his trilogy is the best wait you mean uh well specifically just uh the last jedi but yeah yeah i don't i don't know anything about about star wars wait what's wrong with ryan johnson he's an asshole i love ryan johnson no, like I'm saying, like I don't know anything about Star Wars, but like I know enough to like read the room of like people who do like it and oh. how how the films have worked out. I don't care about Star Wars. All I, I care don't either. Is now- but like I've seen his tweet, seeing the way he talks about like the new trilogy and the movies. Yeah. He thinks his movies are the best Star Wars movies of all times. And if anyone says otherwise, he like shits on them. Beautiful. And it's, it's Love it. awful. Stand for your art. No, motherfucker. No, Stand but the way he art. does it, he looks like a douchebag. And I'm glad. It's like, leave Star Wars. Leave that shit behind. Make Knives Out. Make Daniel Craig an actual exact, non-James like, That's what I'm Bond saying. Like, it sounds like, like, we talked about this in the past, the, yeah. the Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears thing about how he won't fucking leave it alone. Yeah. It sounds like that to oh, me. Oh, okay, okay. Because, well, like the thing is, fucking let go the thing is, they something. did give him a trilogy. He has a side trilogy that he's making now. So, um, was it canceled? I don't think it was canceled, canceled, but because they've been announcing other uh, Disney Star Wars stuff and they've kind of like pushed that to the back, back. burner. So okay. I think they're, yeah, they're I think because like quietly... the, all the side films didn't work well, out the didn't way they, they wanted the... to, so they were like, we'll just pull back a little bit after this, the ninth one yeah. comes out. And they also excited that they got the Game of Thrones guys to make their own trilogy too. 
I don't know. Yeah, they I, got the Game of Thrones I guys to make a Star Wars story. They're doing uh, rumors are like they're doing some kind of Knights of the Old Republic type stuff. Yeah. I don't know what that entails. I don't follow Star Wars, but. Because initially they were pitching like another HBO or Amazon Prime miniseries in which they talk about the Force yeah. Civil War, but that kind of got dropped because of the backlash. So they just kind of opened up to taking over, well, star- a part of Star yeah. Wars at some point. Because now we won't like. Star Wars is now going to be like this expansive universe. Yeah, and, and Amazon's focus on uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anyways, your recommendation. Doing- <laughs> oh, mine? Uh, okay, I'll try to make mine very quickly. I pretty much just have one because that's pretty much the only movie I watch. Mrs. Doubtfire. So hear me Classic. out. Hear no, me I, I, out. Okay. I grew up on that. Yeah. Uh, I cried. That's the thing. I- that's like, the thing that Robin I think Williams a lot of means, people forget. Like the fucking world of my childhood. Like that, like it's it's not just that. It's it's his performance in this movie. The courtroom scene at the beginning when he's like talking about his kid, the the little playfulness he does when he's like gonna get in his car and like that's the last time they're gonna see him until the Saturday when their court adjourned meeting is at. Like there are subtlenesses in the performance that like, I think a lot of people forget that when Robin Williams is playing the outside of Mrs. Doubtfire character, it is emotionally fucking resonant. Yeah. Like I was like, I was like, why, why is there water? Why, why am I crying? It, fuck, Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, yeah, I, it's one of those things that as if it were made as, today, it would not happen. But yeah. like, for like, God. As much as it was dismissed for being like a little silly, like whatever, whatever, Fuck that movie is beautiful. That that movie is is ju- and 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 some of the funniest. Phys- I hate physical gags. Some of the funniest physical gags. I, I another remember good watching. use of a song is Aerosmith in that movie. Yes, yes, very good. Uh, I I love like it's it's cheesy when movies use a song as a joke within the movie, but I love it. Yeah, yes, I love it. Like uh, like with the Percy Jackson thing and with Mrs. Delphire. Exactly. It's like it's like you I use love when a they do hardcore that. rock song for yeah. You make a going to hell joke and then play Highway to Hell. I fucking love that. Megamind did that. I Mega Mind yeah. was like, yeah, we're gonna go on the highway to hell, and then he grabs a fucking like fucking boombox and walks down a highway. I, I haven't seen that movie that in years. I need to rewatch it. I love Mega Mind. I, I love Megamind. the uh, the current Mega Mind resurgence. People are yeah. finally appreciating it now. I appreciate it. Yeah, like from the from the moment I watched it, genuinely to me, that was Brad Pitt's best performance. <laughs> Not, you, you know what? Now, now that you say that, yeah, he should have gotten an Oscar for Mega Mind. Exactly. It's he. <laughs> he is my favorite asshole superhero. Who like is like th- that trope in Brad movies? Brad Pitt was an asshole superhero before it was cool. Cool, exactly. <laughs> it's he's fantastic. I, I love. I, I, yeah, Megamind is fantastic. Will, one of Will Ferrell's best performances. I think mm. there was that era of DreamWorks from like Kung Fu Panda One, uh, How to Train Your Dragon, up until like that Aliens versus Monsters, Monsters movie. Monsters vs. Aliens. Monsters versus <laughs> Aliens. I think that stretch of movies. They were killing it, and no one gave them credit. How to Train Your Dragon 1, Kung Fu Panda 1 and 2, fucking... Uh, uh, but also Shark Tale, even though that happened like a decade before. That, that happened before. But like that, that particular era, they were fucking killing it. Kung Fu Panda was so fucking good. Holy shit. People don't remember how good the first Kung Fu Panda was. Uh, also, it has a show on Amazon now. 
That There's is, a Kung Fu Panda show. Those shows are bad. Yeah, the DreamWorks yeah. shows are shit. Are bad. Netflix they always do bad. spinoff shows and they're terrible. They did yeah. one with the penguins from Madagascar. Actually, like, yeah, actually, I will recommend. I will recommend that era of DreamWorks. Madagascar. <laughs> Uh, fucking How to Train Your Dragon. I remember Kung being Fu sad Panda. when I saw Madagascar too because it was Bernie Mac's last movie before he died. Aww. Yeah. Oh, oh I'm sad. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Rachel. And on that note. Also, I never saw Night at the Museum three, and I was also sad about that because it, it was Robin good, Williams' though. last movie. Yeah, yeah I didn't. That's why though. I didn't see it. But no, his last his last movie that's actually good is World's Greatest Dad. World's Greatest Dad is actually one, really. Fucking there's good. one movie of his that I think is very underrated. You don't like it? Uh. uh t- I have mixed feelings about it. I watched that at like a certain point of time in my life, so it kind of hit hard. Oh, okay. but at the same time, it was uh, like looking back on the film, it's kind of like it, it could just be a short film, honestly. Yeah, and it's not. But I, I think like it it touches on so many fucking different things, and it's all like straightforward though. Oh like, yeah. Like uh, I don't. The grim darkness of it is like delivered right at the end when he gives the monologue, and I mm-hmm. think the monologue is corny to a certain extent, but yeah. it ties it all together really well. I think Bicentennial Man is one of his best performances too, and it's very underrated. I think. Yes, no, I fucking love that no, movie. No, yes. No, you're breaking <laughs> no. my heart. I love no. that movie. We cannot end on this. Fuck. No, Oliver Platt in that man. movie is great. It's I love so, that movie. Oh no, it's so it's okay. I'm not I gonna like diss that it. Movie. But no, that movie. It has a personal meaning to me. Like okay, that, I then like I won't it take it that, away from you because I like it. I won't like, take it away from you. I won't take it away from you. I don't but know that, that movie, it's good or not, but like. I think I liked him in that movie that a movie, lot. That movie, I cannot. I cannot. With that he was movie. a great dramatic actor. He just got yes. He uh, got but, stuck in the comedy a lot. But I, I think he I got think, the he got the Jim Carrey treatment where you know where he gets stuck in comedy. But because I think, everyone just. But put he won there. an Oscar for it at least. Yeah. Like he won an Oscar for good. Like Jim tried to win an Oscar and never could. Uh, and then became an. A- what is he doing now? A bitter asshole. He's kind of a. Uh, he he, I know show. he's 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 executive. Is he still doing kidding? Show. I think so. I think it's still on Showtime or Stars? It's Showtime. Showtime, Something. yeah. Um, he I used was, to follow him on Twitter, but his was, art stuff got annoying. His entire personality got annoying. He became like a really bitter philosopher type. He was he was tied to a current movie recently, uh, but I can't remember. What the it Mask was. had its 25th anniversary the other day. Uh, Which I know this is going to sound weird, but I saw the sequel before I saw the first one. No. Why? Because yeah. I was a child. I think I did too. Now that you uh, you bring it up, I think I saw the sequel in the theater. Son of the Mask. <laughs> I have so many scenes from that movie. Just stuck, just the sequel I've seen stuck in my head. <laughs> like There's just one scene before the, the lady gets pregnant or while she's pregnant where she just eats bubbles on a cracker or some shit. <laughs> and that's all I remember. <laughs> yeah, he's mostly focused on kidding. That's it. Mm. Yeah. Uh oh, right, right. We forgot what he's in. Can y'all remember what he's in? It's a modern classic. It hasn't come out yet. It's been delayed to make it better. No, to make it worse, because it was the best movie that was gonna come out this year. Suicide Squad? The New Mutants? I'll say it's got a lot of blue in it. Um Avatar <laughs> too. I can't believe y'all <laughs> forgot. Okay, he has to he's gotta go fast. 
Oh shit! I forgot about that. Oh yeah, he's that's Dr. in February. Robotnik. Yeah, he's Doctor Robotnik. I, got, I, uh, I really that. just don't remember. I think both of y'all like everyone forgot like, about Sonic. Like, Every wiped it off of your brain. It's like it was a beautiful moment to watch. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was a big deal everyone for like a month and a half, it. and then it just kind of fell off. Because everyone knows, but it's in February now. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, yeah we'll, and the, we'll the director, the director. No, I was yeah. The other a few weeks ago, the director teased that it's looking better, but he didn't say any. He didn't post. It was anything, already so how, great. How do we know? No, it fucking wasn't. It was already a classic, my dude. Was, no, it, it's it was gonna already, look bad no matter what. So like, is. why why put all this time into postponing it because of backlash? Put the trailer. Backlash would probably actually give you more people. You should have. You should have. You should have leaned into the memes. You should have just like. Yes. I can't. You should have had long my, still shots. There, there is a reason why Lil Nas X has the longest running Billboard Top 100. Dolly Parton's going to be in the next one, I think. And oh, it, that's It's great. because of the meme marketing. Meme, meme market. People need to take meme marketing seriously. His young remix video is the Area 51 invasion. It's, it's not. I, I'm not a fan of that song, TBH. But oh, like, fair. it makes me mad that that the. I guess it's CMT or whatever is yeah. like fuck you. It's not a con- country song. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. But I think it's just because they w- they want the pandering to white people. Yeah. Yeah, but no, l- you can't have any gay black men on the country charts. Yeah, not to Ooh. the white people running oh, them. Hot takes. Yeah. <laughs> Strong takes. <laughs> uh, I hate country. I music. love that song though. I love it. No, I un- unironically love it as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, it's 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 a it's a, it's a fun. I've listened fun. to all of them, but it's just not my thing. I, I appreciate it, but it's not it. my thing. It's it's genuinely my favorite Billy Cyrus song, though. Billy Ray, like I've never <laughs> heard a good Billy Ray Cyrus song, and this is his best. He made a TikTok. <laughs> oh my god! Of course he did. <laughs> he, you know, there's one where it's like your your for your future self going back or whatever and telling yourself something uh, and then not saying it fully. Yeah. And he did that, and it was really bad. He's like, "Aren't you Robbie Ray Cyrus <laughs> or oh Robbie Ray god. Stewart?" Oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> All right uh fuck we uh should cut <laughs> all of this delete this entire podcast <laughs> no he's the dad from hannah montana uh, is anyone can any of us gonna recommend the hannah montana movie remember the hannah montana movie? Uh, I'll, 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 recommend I'll recommend the show but not the movie I'll not the fourth like season the, the first three seasons of hannah no, montana the first two the uh, third one was okay i'm a hannah montana stan with the at Aww. least i had a wig I didn't Aww, have a wig, but the, I, I used to know the, the fan songs. wars are about to <laughs> flame right now. It's like all those OG, not not like the. I kind of came into Disney Channel at a transitional period okay. when they started putting shows on like uh, Wizards of Waverly Place, Place and all that. Yeah. That's kind of like when I started watching Disney Channel. Can you imagine that literally the most like influential celebrities of our generation came out from that era? <laughs> Miley Cyrus, I I Carly, Victorious. Oh. Uh, that that era. Cole Sprouse is back Cole's, in it. Yeah, a fucking yeah. Wizards of Waverly Place, whatever the fuck that show Selena Demi Lovato Gomez. was on. Sunny <laughs> with the chance. Sunny yeah. with the chance. Yeah, exactly. That, that show. No, I think Hannah Montana seasons are the same way as the Shrek movies. The first two are fantastic. <laughs> the third one's okay. The fourth one shouldn't have happened. Okay. Uh. Anyway. I have no opinions on the Disney shows. It kind of broke my heart. I thought Lizzie McGuire was doing something special when I was young. But then it stopped, Disney Channel stopped being a cartoon channel and they started doing that. And like, I think there's a theme throughout this podcast of me loving cartoons. She had the first Bitmoji. (laughs) Okay. Hey, I'm sorry. That finally just registered. That took a moment. She had the first Bitmoji. (laughs) (laughs) 
break of my brain. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway. No, I, I think. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I am, I am, I am a child. I guess I'm a big baby. I like cartoons. I like cartoons a lot. And the fact that like there was a good. The run. replacements was amazing. The replacements I was. About that show. I feel like there was a run in Disney where they could have like Fish Hooks was really good. Uh, and stuff like that mm-hmm. and then they kind of ushered all of those to disney xd where i can't watch them because it's <laughs> like like i gotta pay extra to get oh i disney. didn't have i had pbs mm. yeah i got disney channel shows when i was either at a friend's house who had who had okay. the money to get that or on saturdays on channel on abc uh, okay. saturday mornings they would play some disney channel shows. where i was ABC. we got disney just fine but we never got disney xd because you had oh. to pay for an entire television package an extra mm. television package so like all the cartoons were hidden in disney xd well, before before <laughs> and before then i had to sit around and watch hannah montana's brother never wash his clothes <laughs> which is like the most upsetting thing in the world and, to now, me. It, and now it's shane dawson oh right no. <laughs> anyway but like no yeah i hear like before america only went digital with their tvs which is stupid it like you could easily just have TV like the basic channels and not have to like have an extra thing. You just had to have an antenna. Yeah, and that's all I had because my family was broke. Oh, that, but but that's beautiful. So I had that's Mr. Fun. Rogers and Teletubbies and Caillou. Very wholesome uh, and Barney. I grew up on Bear's Big Blue House. And I remember Blue's Clues. I remember that. Yeah, a lot of them. A lot of them came on on Saturday mornings yeah. on because ABC would do that. For, I don't think they do it anymore, but for the longest time, in like the early to mid 2000s, well, they would show do- some yeah, it doesn't Disney matter. Channel shows. All those Disney Saturday mornings are- aren't a thing anymore. Yeah, they, like kids watch everything on their iPad. Like there's there's a Disney Kids app that you could buy and you could watch all the newest episodes and stuff on there. So yeah. like, like I made a TikTok of me buying Teen Beach movies the last- on Amazon and people were like, you could just get the Disney app. And I was like, that would have been more expensive. Yeah, the, the the last great Disney show, the last great Disney kids, Disney show, whatever, Little Einstein's. Yes. Little Einstein's is the last. I've watched great. that as an adult with my nephew, and I think it's amazing. I watched it with as well with my nephew because we raised him, so that was his show. And literally, uh, the the uh, Hall of the Mountain King, uh, in the Hall of the Mountain King, is literally, it was my soundtrack for like a good five years. It was my ringtone for a good five years. Uh, I love that fucking show. That that was the last good one they had. I mean, Gravity Falls, but I think Gravity Falls started. Which, I know when... my nephew's not going to listen to this, but his birthday party's this weekend. Oh, happy birthday! His, his, happy birth- birthday. his birthday is actually on the twelfth, but you know, kids' birthday parties are yeah, weird like that. They're weird like that. I guess. I guess. Happy he'll, birthday to he'll, Rachel's. He'll be four. Oh, what he's a great on a superhero birthday because my sister's weird. She's mixing them all together. Oh, wow! It's adorable. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> on his on his on on a four year old's birthday, should we take it away? Because or yeah. or we could or we could like talk for another seven minutes Wait, so we could wrap it up at two hours. Going, we could we could wrap we it in exactly two hours. Seven minutes out. Of I, mean, I watched yeah. half of The Witch the other day. <laughs> Which, how have y'all not mentioned Phineas and Ferb? Is that too mainstream for y'all? I forgot about that. I, I have there's I have a couple of songs like, on my playlist. Phineas and Ferb was like my Disney Channel cartoon. It started. I did like it better than Johnny Tess. It's I think those two were competing with each other. Oh my god! Uh, am I being <laughs> offensive? Is this a hot oh, take? No, no, oh, no, okay. no, no. It's just you shouldn't say the no. he who must not be named. No. At all. Wait, what is happening? No. What's wrong? I fucking love Johnny Tess. That's, oh, okay. I like it more than Phineas. Well, wow. Phineas, well, that's oh, because okay. like okay. there was like there's an overlap with them, but Johnny Tess was more 
a younger age for me and Phineas uh-huh. and Ferb came out when I was a little older so okay. I, you know oh I thought those two thing. came out at the same time and no. they were competing with they're each other they're a little overlapped okay okay but fuck Johnny Test is uh, my shit you know Green Day's uh, involvement in Johnny Test really yes the dog's name is Doogie because the uh, yes you told the me theme, about this and I looked it up the theme song is basically American Idiot Oh, and yeah. people like people try to do something and be like, oh, they copied them. Like, no, like the the creator of the show was like a big fan of Green Day or he was fan. He was a friend with them, something mm-hmm. like that. And they like they let them use a lot of stuff oh. and they were kind of involved. Yeah. During that era, like I wasn't watching Phineas and Ferb because I was like I was too much. I guess they call it you could call it now the Cartoon Network Renaissance. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. The uh, uh, Amazing World of Gumball, uh, Adventure Time, um, like all of those shows, they kind of... they kind of. I'm going to re- recommend Adventure Time at a later date because I'm rewatching it right now. Oh, we should probably do our obligatory Good Omens recommendation. Well, we uh, kind of did that already. Yeah, yeah but again... Well, that's uh, been like the whole first half of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> we could do it again. No, uh, how about... Uh, no, I'm not the one who has questions around here, but since we're talking about cartoons... No, go ahead. Uh, Favorite cartoon of all time. Don't think about it. Go. Adventure uh, Time. Uh, uh, fucking uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. 100%. Very nice. By I've only seen line. a few episodes of Avatar. You need... When it was airing, um, like my grandparents lived in the middle of nowhere. Surprise. And, but they had they had Dish. And mm-hmm. so whenever like me and my cousin would go visit for like a week during the summer and he would watch it. So I've only seen a couple episodes. I the vaguely sad part, know anything about the it. The sad part about Avatar, it's literally the hardest show to find. Like... Like, you could buy the DVD at Target. Yeah, but they don't even have a Blu-ray. It's just yeah, it a does. regular... Is there a Blu-ray? They released they a Blu-ray Blu-ray. recently. Oh, God. That's it's so like $30. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and, the, and the the one that came after. And The Last Airbender is one of those special shows where if you add Korra, which is the sequel series... That's what, yeah, they have that you, one too. It's, it, it's actually a better show for it. Like, Korra's first season was a little weak, but otherwise, both series put together are probably the greatest achievement in American cartoons. Wow, okay, wait. As an adult, praise. I would say best cartoon is Second Adventure is Time. Second is Titans. As a child, Caillou. Okay. I know I get shit for that, for saying Caillou is good, but it was. My my top three... I'm sorry. Like, like Adventure Time maybe cracks my top five, but my top three are uh, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, probably Teen Titans, and definitely Steven Universe. Oh, Teen Titans is good. Yeah. Yours? Fuck, I'm trash because I think my number one is probably Amazing World of Gumball. <laughs> beautiful the art in that show yeah. is really fucking that's, hard to that's nail. really the only reason like the humor doesn't usually hit for me it's a lot of you know younger humor but it's just like the animation style where i'm just like looking at it like oh look at all the pretty colors and different styles <laughs> like that's that's just what gets it for but me love it. cartoon network's great at making like dark yes. humor and like yes. brush like there's an adventure time no, there's a joke that in... jake makes where like there's a guy named meat man and he eats yeah. his meat and he's like maybe i should stop eating meat man <laughs> it's the darkest shit but it's so good <laughs> no because like when they bought uh, adult swim a bunch of the adult swim people came in and like amazing world of gumball is like is like some of the people that came in from adult swim that are making like a more kiddish show for people yeah. that's why a lot of the humor in fucking uh, Teen Titans Go is so not, like, for kids. Like, the fu- the famous meme of Cyborg beating his meat. <laughs> like, and that movie's fucking phenomenal, by the way. And anyone the who Teen disrespects... Teen Titans movie? Teen Titans Go movie? Is, is it fu- good? It's so good. It's so good. And it has... It's it's not better than Spider-Verse, but it's meta shit. The fucking memory it does at the end of that movie is it's so close to being on par. You know what's a good cartoon? My Little Pony. The new one. 
I'm gonna agree. I the first. I know it gets a lot of cr- like shit because of uh, I cronies, was, I, but it's a good show. So here's my issue. I watched the first season of My Little Pony, and I was like, "This is a pretty cool show." And then my friends were like, "How fucking dare you?" And they showed me the Brony documentary, oh, and I was done with the entire franchise. No, you sever that off. No. Get rid of them. <sighs> Just watch My like, Little Pony for what it is. There is a show on Nickelodeon where the pony girls are high school girls. It's like really creepy what they've done with that no, universe. No, no, not that stuff. Just the basic My, My Little Pony okay. the ma- basic show. Okay. I only watched the first three seasons. It was during... Uh, I think My Little Pony is a show that I got into, at, once again, a vulnerable part of my life. Okay. And uh, I I know, it, it helped me just like get through like tough shit, even though That's it's like a kid's Universe show. That's what Steven Universe did for me. So like, it's, just, it's always held, yeah, held yeah. like a special place in my heart, I even get though it. I don't really put it like top three cartoons. But a lot a of people through Adventure Time. A lot of people like sh- shit on me sometimes saying that uh, Steven Universe is either too boring or too overrated, and it's like that show like really helped me in one of the most like daunting yeah. points of my life, and like that the just the peacefulness it brought me, and I know that like this is infant infantizing like a lot of those shows are targeted at kids. Oh yeah, and us like young adults should not be out here claiming these shows for ourselves. <laughs> We should allow the kids to decide what it's they like want. The, it's like the the sequels and live action remakes. Exactly. Like, oh like I hate when people do that. <laughs> like, let the next generation like kind of enjoy their shit for whatever. But like, these are cartoons for me are a personal experience. This is yeah. this is stuff that like me and my family and my brothers like really watched together and like bonded over more than even movies. So like, cartoons hold a really special part. And also, I can't make them. I don't even know how they work. Yeah. They're magic to me. So like, and like, especially with something like Spider-Verse, like that's genuinely magic. I learned how to hand draw animation and I hate it. It's a pain in the ass. <laughs> exactly. And like, but like watching animators talk about Spider-Verse like it's magic makes Spider-Verse like a mm-hmm. much better movie to me. Honestly, I completely agree with everything you're saying 100%. Because like for me personally, like film used to be a bit of an escape, but these days like I... I see film as more like I'm too analytical when it comes to like actual film, but there's something about animation, whether it's a television show or a film where I'm able to just fully remove myself and just enjoy it because it's yeah. just a Maybe because of it's harder to understand animation. It's sometimes it is harder. It's to like, very complicated. It's technical. That's true. That's very true. It's like, it's like, it's like listening. It's easier to understand the basic technical stuff of live action film. Yeah. Yeah. It's like listening to like rock ballads. It's like really hard to break down all the compositions that they had to add. So it's like really Except hard. Except bo rap, huh? Except bo rap. All you gotta know is the story behind how yeah, it was that, made, that, and then true. that's it. That's because it was just Freddie Mercury waking but, up and be like, "We're doing this. Let's go." But somehow it is the greatest rock song of yeah. all time. Uh, I'm positive you, he did the same thing with Prophet. Song. You want to hear my edgiest sixteen-year-old take? Yes. So I literally sat in a room and was like. Animation, uh, animated movies have not been bad for the last 50 years. There's not, be- you can't point me to a thing. And then they made four fucking Alpha and Omega movies. Oh and God. it ruined my argument. <laughs> They're on HBO. <laughs> yeah. And not I was the like, first one, the, just the sequels. They're on HBO. So I had to come in the next day after watching Alpha and Omega and be like, I need to defend Alpha and Omega for <laughs> being a good movie. Because I was able to easily defend uh, uh, that cow CGI movie. Barnyard. Uh, Barnyard. Open the transgender cow. Uh, open <laughs> oh season. I could defend, but but not not good CGI. It was not. Uh, no, I said it had transgender. It cow. was a very progressive show. It was for a very progressive. Oh, yes. not the show, the movie. The movie, oh, yeah, the, the film as well. Yeah, and so and so I was able to defend all of those. 
because of the tra- transgender like <laughs> like cow and open season it was a great like fun romp like it was an odd couple in cartoon form it was the hardest thing in the world for me to defend Alpha and Omega. Even the first one. The CGI in all those movies is worse. I said this before. It's worse than the CGI Hydra in Hercules. Yes. Because 100%. that was that was like one of the first times they ever used CGI in a movie because it was brand fucking new. And they're like, we're going to do it for the Hydra. Yeah. And it was not good. But like Alpha and Omega is worse. What I didn't realize is Alpha and Omega was that like dip into like CGI is a lot cheaper to make. Like everyone <laughs> owns Maya now. So everyone is going to make really low budget, like Norm the Bear or fucking yeah. like all of those low budget animated movies. And I feel like that fucking It's worse ruined. than all the Shrek edits. I feel like the <laughs> one industry that needed to stay gatekeeped and like for the elites is mm. like animation. Animation should have been DreamWorks, John Bluth and fucking Disney. <laughs> and that's it. We should have like never allowed anyone else in. Um they made it. They made a. Um. They there's a bunch of animators on YouTube who completely remade Shrek in different yeah. animation styles. I haven't watched it yet, but it's like every their different scenes are different animation styles from different animators on YouTube. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah That's Shrek, so it can be good Shrek used retold. for good. Shrek retold. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Also, like yeah. So, uh. Now we're at the two hour mark, but <laughs> nice. uh. I guess everyone said, uh. I guess now that we've lost our minds. Yes, I get, we've been all over the place. I think it uh, might be the heat in the room beautiful. that how, makes us how crazy. How has this happened, like with, with me as a guest? I feel like this w- would have happened with any other guest. <laughs> but I'm telling me. you, I told you, it's like when you, once you put the headphones on, you forget <laughs> what's going on. Yeah, like like the first thirty it's a different minutes, plane it was of existence. Like, there's this timidness, and then you get into it, and you're like, "Fuck it, dude, let's just like fucking explore <laughs> yeah. our inner like, fucking I know weirdness." You're, like I know you're here, but I don't feel like you're here. Yeah, exactly. I feel like I'm on the phone or some shit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. You get to be in your own bubble and just explore your own weirdness. I see. I see. It's very nice. Uh, I hope to uh, be invited back one day. Love to have you again. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to like stick to a strict schedule. Just keep it under two hours yes i got you we <laughs> talked about this and after the, the last episode yeah we talked the, about this we had a whole discussion about the timing and look <laughs> we exactly. fucking threw it out the window is, is exactly. this the uh out of curiosity is this the longest recorded episode on record yes yes of any <laughs> podcast i've ever made <laughs> yeah Anyways, let's take it away shasta goes to the movies is brought to you in partnership with the film club at the university of houston opinions shared in this podcast do not reflect that of the film club at u of h the University of Houston or U of H community as a whole. Oh, okay. Uh, follow us on Twitter at U of H Film Club and send any questions to the UH Film Club at gmail.com. Thank you to my co-host AK, our guest Kelly, and thank you to the audience for listening. We'll see you next time.